This week on Invasion of the Podcast, hide your cats, elf's back. We're not wearing any hockey pants as we take a look back at the 10th anniversary of the Dark Knight. And I ask Paul, what would Batman do? We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of Earth, attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast. I'm sorry, wait. Welcome to Invasion of the Podcast. <laughs> I, I am Paul, and to my left is uh, Steve. Hello, everyone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really packs in the flavor. Yeah, anyway, no. Those uh, are our Batman voices, Yeah, they're by the just way. bad. Like, but not, probably as bad as The Dark Knight. But we're going to be talking about The Dark Knight as a film, how it's affected, uh, like, well, one, how it's aged after 10 years, because it's been 10 years. You're all older now. You're welcome. And how that's affected like things going forward. So I think it's a good conversation we're going to have about that. Steve's never seen a Batman movie before, so much like Mission Impossible, he did not have grounding in it. <laughs> and so it'll be good to see his first take on Batman. I, I was kind of disappointed that there were no doves, nor <laughs> slow motion car chases. Like, like Batman with like long hair, like out the back of the bat cowl, throwing his sunglasses and detonating. Yeah. Anyway, so. Um, yeah, uh, we're just going to talk about the weekend here real quick. Uh, I guess it's not really the weekend, but last night I did go see Mission Impossible uh, Fallout. So uh, because we talked about it recently, and uh, Kevin, he's infected me with the Tom Cruise uh, virus. I had okay. to go pay money to go see Tom Cruise in the theater. Um, it's funny because this is the first Mission Impossible I've seen in the theater since the first one. So there's been a 20-year gap in my Mission Impossible <laughs> theater viewing experiences. Um, it, it was good. It was a good movie. Um, since you had recently watched Rogue Nation, yeah. uh, I feel like this one, it, it is a direct continuation of some themes. Clearly, the trailer shows uh, Solomon Lane, the bad guy from Rogue Nation, being in this film. Uh, I feel like this movie makes Rogue Nation a better film. Okay. Because it kind of it kind of tells, it's, I mean, they're both separate stories, but I think they need to be viewed as a whole. Like, because, like, you, with having Lane being a persistent villain, and the first film in living and then having, you know, the literal fallout, which that's the, why the title of the film is what it is with Ethan's actions. There's more gravity to what happened as opposed to we saved the day. It's like you did save the day, but at what cost? Okay. So I think there's some interesting like through lines for there, the way I would equate it. And I know you don't have a point of reference cause this isn't in your wheelhouse, but kind of like how with the Daniel Craig bond films, Casino Royale was the first one with him in it. Did you see Casino Royale? Yes. Did you see Quantum of Solace? So I've seen the first and third. So I didn't see Quantum of Solace. So I you saw, saw Skyfall. Saw Skyfall, oh. and I haven't seen the last one because like it, people were very mixed on it. Well, so. I still have not seen Spectre, but like Quantum of Solace is an okay film, but it feels almost like a two-hour coda to Casino Royale, where I feel like in this, in this, but but watching them together, it's a better experience versus just watching like Casino Royale and then waiting two years to watch Quantum of Solace. Gotcha. Um, and because I, I'm very late to the game with Bond and Daniel Craig, so I watched a lot of them together. So I feel like because I'd watched Rogue Nation two weeks ago and then seeing Fallout, 
I, it's almost kind of like that's the reverse where Rogue Nation's more of the like it's almost like the Quantum of Solace where it's a lot of the table setting, and then um, Fallout's more of the action packed, like you know, like it's it's almost it's it's flipped a little bit, but I feel like because the second movie's out now, it makes both of them stronger. Kind of like how I feel like Quantum of Solace, when watched with Casino Royale, makes it a better product. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you can still go in watching Fallout without seeing uh, Rogue Nation because the one thing the Mission Impossible films do better than anybody else is give you a recap of kind of what happened and also what the mission at hand is. It's always Ethan Hunt putting his face into like a copy machine or something, pressing a button, and then IMF gives him the mission. And, like they always set the stage of like, here's your mission. If you choose to accept it, go to a Kinko's and, and watch a five minute video about the movie that's about to happen and then accept the mission and then the machine blows up. That's what it feels like every time. I don't have a movie where it's like, by the way, here here is the uh, mission statement in our plot, which here's your objectives for this film. Like, I never see another movie like that. So you could watch Fallout and be like, oh, he has to go do that now. So it feels like a video game level. Okay. But it was a cool film. The stunts are amazing. Uh, Henry Cavill with mustache is is, is good. Um, there's that that fight scene in the bathroom that you see in the trailer. Uh, the white, the all white, white bathroom. That is brutal. That's a really, really, really good scene. Uh, he, Tom Cruise is on a motorcycle, but somehow he seems to still run faster than anybody else. Nice. Like he still runs. He's fifty-six. Yeah. I'm never going to be that healthy. <laughs> so I have two questions. Yeah. One, uh, the first one's obvious. I mean, uh, was it really like? Could you imagine Henry Cavill doing that role without a mustache? Like. <laughs> Was it I that really feel like if, it was if you didn't have the mustache, there's no movie. There's really okay. no. Uh, the fallout is the fallout was what happened to Justice League because <laughs> Cavill had to come back with the mustache. And then my second question is: Is does Ving Rhames do anything other than just show up, <laughs> say a couple lines, oh, and then sit I, at a computer? I, I say this is an overweight male that's almost 40 and not in good shape poor Vig Rames just feels like he's just expanding like I just feel like he's just <laughs> swelling up like Farouk Assault style like they do give him some stuff to do in terms of like because he he is the hacker guy like he yeah. is the like but, but like Benji's also kind of the hacker he guy is. like yeah so they do give and, and Vig Rames gives some of the like there's actually a couple moments where he has a couple bits of dialogue that you know because Ving Rames is delivering it it's awesome right yeah. so that's good uh, so they do give him purpose, but you're right. There's a lot of like, there's, there's, a, there's a point where like all of them are running and then he is the last one to show up the scene. I'm like, that makes sense. Like, <laughs> was he like out of breath? Was he know. like, oh, I'm here, Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> My mission, if I choose to accept is to run seven steps. Yeah, like, yeah. I just, you know, so that's a bummer, but, and, but at the same time, what else is Ving Rhames in anymore? I think we well, talked about that during our Mission to Boswell episode is that I think he's just tight with Tom Cruise now and he's just going to be that guy that just shows up and says things. Again, I just I feel like he is a good actor. Like he's kind of being wasted in those movies, but you do bring up the point that like what else is he doing? So maybe he's just happy to be like, yeah, for like a month I go and film whatever the newest Mission Impossible movie is. Yeah, I get flown over the world. I get catered, catered food. I hang out with Tom Cruise. Um, and then I... Uh, I don't know what that was. I don't know if that noise was. That's, that's uh, Scientology coming in and saying you can't do that. I don't know what happened there. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It was it was a fun movie. I liked it. It was fun seeing it in the theater. The sound design in that film is crazy. Like, okay. there's a sequence where, um, uh, this I don't know if this is really a spoiler. I guess I'll just throw this in here because it's not rooting for you. Do you know why they are called spoilers? 
Elsa, who is the British MI6 uh, agent from the previous film, she's in this one too. She's on the poster, so it's not really yeah. anything. There's a bit where she's on a motorcycle riding through like this narrow archway, and just how fast she's going, and you hear the the audio of her zipping past these columns. It's like this very specific like Doppler noise that you'd only really hear if you're like the one riding on the motorcycle mm-hmm. is very intense. Like I don't know how to describe it. It's like if you're watching this in distance, you wouldn't hear that, but you kind of put you in the head of her like pursuing. So there's some really good sound design. Some of the cinematography is amazing. Like they're the very beginning. There is um, them trying to infiltrate this big uh, charity ball. That's like a, at a dance and just some of the, the colors and lights going on is very awesome. But it also reminds me, it makes me feel like they're reaching for like a John wick two type of vibe with okay. some of that look, which you have you seen John wick two. I've not seen John Wick one. We've oh, had this discussion. Yeah, that's that, right. Because like, the, the dog violence. Yeah, like uh, we've uh, again. I I can't bring myself if I don't know what's going to happen in the movie. I can watch a movie, but like, well, if then I know, I, what if I tell you it doesn't happen? What if I tell you that a puppy <laughs> is not killed off? That puppy goes and lives on a farm. Theon Greyjoy. Like, what if it makes you feel better <laughs> if it was Reek is the one doing it? And you're like, I don't like that guy. I hope he gets it. What if if I told you that? I mean, I guess that might make me feel a little bit better, but. <laughs> You need to if, if, okay. If there's a way that you could do the thing where you put a blanket over your head and you don't see the puppy kill in the movie because they don't show it, but it's definitely known that there's a puppy getting killed yeah. in John Wick. You, those movies are badass. So. Again, I can watch people get eviscerated all day long. It's just you bring a dog or a cat or <laughs> any sort of animal into the yeah. movie, and I'm so. suddenly a puddle of mud. Well, so. there's no uh, there's no animal killing. Well. Yeah, there's no puppy killing in Mission Impossible. I could that should be on the poster. Mission Impossible Fallout. <laughs> definitely no puppy killing. Uh, but yeah, it was good. It was good. Um, definitely worth seeing in the theater. Definitely worth uh, the big the big spectacle that it is. Yeah. So yeah. So that that was uh, that was me yesterday. Rest of the weekend was watching uh, uh, Grizzly, which well, we'll talk about that later, and then me playing Overwatch because it's all I do with my life anymore. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Uh, new hero released. His name is uh, Hammond. He is a super smart hamster and a mech, the mech that looks like a droid from the prequel Star Wars movies because nice. it looks like kind of circular. Mm-hmm. And not only can he go and shoot things, he can also grapple and become a like literal wrecking ball and swing around. So it is so much fun to troll people by grabbing a pillar and just swinging round and round and round and round and round and having them try to get near you because all you're going to do, do is hit them. So I just assumed that like once people saw that it was a hamster, everybody just got that character and was like... Well, I went and bought skins. I bought voice lines because he, he, he makes hamster noises. And because he's super smart, the, the mech, uh, the droid, whatever it is, he drives the ball. Uh, the metal ball, it actually translates for him. So you hear like this little bright hamster noise and then you hear a very serious computer voice. So it's funny to hear him make a noise and then be like, <laughs> profanity filter enabled. It's like, what did he say? You know, like, so it's he's fun. He's like Groot. Yeah, he's like Groot, pretty much. And like, you'll hear him, you hear stuff just like, you know, the hamster is annoyed. Like, he's just like being <laughs> mad about stuff. I, Overwatch constantly finds new ways to introduce new heroes and make each one of them unique. And having a hamster, a super smart hamster, and a mech that can become a wrecking ball at will definitely changes the game up. So it was fun frustrating and fun at the same time so that was my weekend hamster ball tom cruise same size as a hamster running around nice yes yeah i mean my weekend was pretty uh pretty uneventful uh we were on week 
three, I think, of the puppy training. So uh, we took Bruce, uh, our golden doodle. Now's the time to watch John Wick. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Our golden doodle puppy. We took him and uh, we learned a little bit more about loose leash walking and uh, a little bit about uh, um, stay. So... uh, uh, I can honestly say though it's Wednesday night. I'm here doing this. I don't know if my wife's working with him on it tonight or not, but like we haven't really worked with him this week on some of that stuff. So probably Thursday and Friday we'll be cramming it in before, like you know, like we're going to be graded. You know, we're going to cram it in on the. When you say on, loose loose leash walking, are yeah. you talking like without a leash, or is it more no, like giving him free reign? It's giving him like the trusting ability. him to do that. Yeah. Okay. Um, like our other dog, Grace, she's 12. Um, and like sometimes she's great and happy on a walk. Other times she will like want to be pulled by like, she'll just stop and want to smell something. And like, you've got to like really like almost pick her up to get her to like walk and keep going. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's more about like directing the dog and getting him to go where you want to go without like yanking on the chain or the the leash i should say well i was like wait what are you using as a leash for this dog it's like <laughs> the, the spike chain that i use for all my dogs no he's he's got like a, a, a i don't know um, fabric collar or whatever and then a leash but uh yeah I, i've never quite understood i know that they have those leashes that look like you know some sort of torture device that oh you're talking about the like the choke chains yeah, or whatever. yeah i don't like I, yeah not my cup of tea um do you guys have the leash that you can let like, let him run for a little bit and you can bring it back like the retractable leash no so like we have an open backyard um and when we let him outside you know we let him out with his sister and he's actually the point now like unfortunately where like he is associates my wife with like going outside so (laughs) he won't go outside without her like he'll go outside but then he'll just stand on the other side of the door and like whine until she comes out um i've thankfully been able to dodge that bullet um but uh when it comes to um actually walking him we walk around the block with him so it's it's that's the only time that he's ever on a a leash is when he goes for a walk it's just because we had a retractable leash for for our dog and I mean, she was like when I when I first met her, she was already you know seven years old, so it wasn't like there was like this acclimation period. But like she would kind of understand, like you know, once it was starting to be reeled in, where she couldn't couldn't go, yeah. and it was nice because she could wander off. But if we felt like she was getting places she shouldn't go, just like stop the leash, and then she would start to come back, and you could kind of reel it in, kind of like fishing, kind of like for sharks, not really. Yeah, I mean, this is more just being able to get them to just walk with you and yeah. not like freak out every time they either see something that they want to try and eat or smell something or god forbid they see another dog and like want to go you know well, and how old is bruce he's 12 weeks now yeah so he so. doesn't he hasn't seen life he doesn't yeah. know <laughs> you know he doesn't know anything yet like he doesn't even he doesn't know well he hasn't he hasn't even gone up the steps yet so like <laughs> uh we live in a split level so there's like seven steps probably that go down to the basement and then seven steps that go up to like the second floor um and like he goes like maybe two steps up and my wife started doing a thing where she would do treats to get him to go up the stairs okay and he was doing that but our other dog, Grace, who is 12 and has hip problems, is like, oh, I'll go and try and get some of those treats, too. And it's like watching her. And I'm like, oh, my oh, God. I like that your steps. older dog is an old type prospect. She is. <laughs> She's like, oh, my hip hurts. There's going to be rain soon. Watch out for coyotes. But like, like <laughs> we have her on like a special like uh, like a thing, like a uh, I don't know what it is. It's like a uh, supplement for her for hip dysplasia. And then uh 
Uh, she gets a pain pill and like, so we just try not to like get her. To, we try to keep her from going up and down the stairs as much as possible sometimes because she like that would cause yeah yeah, yeah more harm than good yeah. Um, but you know we get her to exercise that hip, but like we just try to get her to to do it on the occasions when we actually want her to go up and down as opposed oh. to like. Hey, you just ran up and down the stairs twelve times for a treat, <laughs> and now you're just gonna lay there and moan all night because you're in pain. So yeah, that's like me if I do the steps too much, though. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, like Mary has stopped giving me treats. I'm like, I'm not doing the steps now. You know? so, all right. Well, that sounds like a sounds like quite fruitful weekends that we've had. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, all right. Um, yeah. Let's just uh, let's just get to some news. If I could find the button again, I'm glad that I'm only 150 some episodes in. I can't even find the news button. everyone all right so uh evidently hollywood is out of completely they're out of ideas that's the story that's your new story good night everybody no uh so in this talk of revival and reboots and everything going on you know like what was it murphy brown was like a couple months ago they've announced that's happening uh obviously there's the roseanne reboot that happened people were excited about wait i didn't uh, hear about that the, the, is, is it going well <laughs> i you know they're they're still coming back just now with all the people oh. um and then i know that recently um oh uh what's his name uh frazier the actual actor um kelsey grammar Kel- kelsey grammar uh he's in talks to doing another frazier show I don't know i'm sure no matter where he goes he still hears that yeah like. everybody's just like scrambled eggs he's like shut up you know like <laughs> he's like i was beast you know uh <laughs> i was i was a weird beast that like was the perfect voice and like personality but they also put me in makeup i don't <laughs> like yeah I, I liked his beast by the way i did um, i did actually yeah. i that movie sucks the, the <laughs> third one but it's unfortunate. You, yeah. Um, but I like that they brought him back at the end of Days of Future Past just to be like, hey, remember me? I can still be here. Uh, anyway, so speaking of reboots, supposedly there is a talk now at Warner Brothers Television to bring back ALF, uh, a show that, you know, how long did ALF originally last? Like four seasons? Four seasons, yeah. Yeah, so it, four seasons for television show, I guess, is like successful, I guess, but it didn't even, even hit 100 episodes for syndication. Like the fi- the finale was like an hour long, so they split it into two to get to like ninety nine. Yeah, I mean, Elf was like big for like a year and a half, and then it burned out. Like, do yeah. you remember the Elf cartoon? Yeah, there was um, the the Elf cartoon. There was a Burger King com- promotion where you could get Elf dolls and like Elf record records from Melmac Rock, like and cat burgers. Yeah, oh, like wow. it it burned bright for about a year and a half, and then just. <laughs> fizzled out i had a bright orange alf shirt when i was in elementary school so i was i was so <laughs> proud of my alf shirt so and that is that is not a made-up story that is true and i i kind of still proud of my alf shirt come Do you on you have that like photographic evidence of that because i would love to see you post that on facebook i um i don't honestly it's funny i don't actually have any pictures of me as a kid like i think my family has them okay and i don't know if the alf shirt made it in the pictures <laughs> but yeah i i remember thinking alf was so cool and but i as much as Alf definitely exists in the eighties, do we need do like? I guess the reason it's come back is one because everybody for some reason, uh, rose colored glasses are at a peak. You know, sell you know everything. Everything's amazing in the past, right? Um, and because it's a known commodity, and because Alf is a character that anybody could put in the suit, so he doesn't age. Yeah. So it's easy to bring back the idea of Alf. Right. I think so. 
I guess that's the thing is like people are going to be it's a known it's a known thing. So people are going to flock to this. And be like, I loved Alf. It's like, did you really? Did you really love him? Clearly, you know, he only made it four seasons, so you didn't love him that much. So I have to say, like, there's part of me that wants to come at this with the cynical like uh, point of view of like, no, we don't need Alf, and he's best left in the eighties. <laughs> But then there's the, also the part of me that's like, hey, remember when you thought Cobra Kai was a terrible idea? <laughs> oh, if they could do like a gritty reboot of Alf, and Cobra Kai isn't <laughs> gritty, it's just more of like a, 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 like an interesting update. If they could do an update of Alf like Cobra Kai, I would be in. You know, like like, like have him like you have a flip his head where it's like he's confronting Ice about things because it's like he is an illegal alien and he's he's staying in like you know a sanctuary city. Like these are the things I need to see happen. Like get that kind of, get weirdly political with Alf. <laughs> but I mean honestly like I thought about it and I'm like no I don't want to see more Elf or need more Elf. I mean the best thing to come out of Elf in the last 20 years was the joke on the Simpsons where he returned to Pog form. Um, but, uh, I, well, like, are Pogs coming back now too? Is that what's like? Are Pogs getting rebooted? Elf's um, back and in Pog form. form. Yeah. Um, but like when it comes to the actual show itself, like I have no no desire to see it come back. I mean, unless it's like you know, uh, you know, Elf versus Small Wonder. Like, <laughs> so like a I, competition I, I, show. All I remember is there was one plot where he had some type of Melmachian dessert or something like treat on his spaceship that crashed into the Tanner's uh, garage that no one bothered questioning why that happened. And uh, one was, uh, it was these things called, uh, what was it? They were like these slime balls that like were horrible, but they had like something on the inside. He was like, one was called slime and it had slime in the middle. And the other one was called wild cherry and it had a cherry flavor inside. And he's like, do you guys want these? And everyone's like, no. And like, and the whole thing is like something happened where a space cockroach came out of it and he had to fight and hunt down a space cockroach. That's all I remember about Alf. Well, now I have to go back That's, and watch that episode. And I don't, do you remember the big controversy about the suburban advertising in the cartoon? No. Yeah. There was a bit where one of the cartoons, one of the episodes, where they flashed a single frame that said America, that had the Statue of Liberty. Like, you can go look it up. Look it up on your phone I right now as we're talking you, about but it. it just there was a huge so... controversy because it was like, you're watching, you know, Alf, and there was just like a single frame, and it said America. All right. I, why would you subliminally? That's a weird thing. Yeah. And they got caught on it, too. Like, so, anyway. I mean, it's no worse than the dong and, you know, Fight Club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, subliminal dong is one thing, but subliminal uh, patriotism is another. But anyway, sure, if Alf comes back, I don't know. Like, it's just, I, I, we're gonna hit a breaking I, I, point. I, I at guess some I'm, point. Like, I'm hypocritical because some of the revival stuff's been fun. Yeah, but we don't need it all. But then, if if some doesn't, if some of them aren't successful, then like. I guess what this is coming down to is why isn't there a quantum leap re revival? That's what I really, really want. And I feel I like thought Night Court was well. Well, you can't do that now. now. Yeah, I know. You know, like it's just we had a moment, and we kind of got a Night Court reunion on Thirty Rock, and that was about as close as we we're going to get. So, and then like, and right now people, there's like this weird like fever pitch for Golden Girl stuff. We're not getting them back. You know, like <laughs> it's just Betty White in the house Betty by White. herself. Oh, that's the show then, right? It's just the same house. It's just Betty White, and then she has mannequins of the other three, and she still talks to she talks to them all, right? And then, but for some reason, they still they still prove that she's an idiot as a character, yeah. like not Betty White, but her character of the show. I would, 
that would be hauntingly sad. I feel like that would be like <laughs> like an FX series of this poor old woman with like these mannequins she talks to. Oh, I kind of want that to happen. <laughs> Get to work on an NBC. <laughs> so yeah, Alf's coming back whether you like it or not. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I guess take it or leave it. Yeah. You know, but we're gonna hit a fear pitch at some point where it's just it's gonna be over. too much saturation. Yeah. yeah. So, is there anything any other properties out there left that that you would like to see revived? No, like <laughs> like you didn't even think about it. You're like no. you're like oh you know maybe maybe the wizard with that you know with um what's his face uh, the uh, the smaller guy from the Star Wars movies maybe we could have him. So like yeah. uh, for instance, uh, I mean. I really, really loved the show Scrubs, and we talked about it in one of the episodes recently where yes. we, we got into... And, like, if they like just did, like, six episodes, or, like, Parks and Rec, like, if they were just, like, we're just going to randomly do... Like, if they, if they did it in the model of, like, the way British television works, where it's, like, it's been five years, but we've just decided to do, you know, yeah. six new Series episodes. Series four of yeah. whatever, yeah. I would be totally okay with that. Um, but there's nothing that, like... I'm just dying to get you know more of like because I, I feel like the X Files came and went right. Yeah. Um, Quantum Leap has not come back, and I feel like of a show concept that could be evergreen, that should be it, right? Because I feel like it's been gone long enough that you could still put Sam if you want him to still be the Leaper in some more interesting historical con- you know, situations that have happened since then. Because you know, still you know, we don't know his endpoint yeah. of his life. Um, and I, or just do a baton pass. I've talked about that before, like to somebody else that could be the leaper. I still feel like that's a show concept that's evergreen and they, they're not touching it. I don't know why Magnum's coming back. Like, why can't you have quantum leap? Both of those are produced by Donald P. Belisarius. Bring it back. Like, you know, I mean, the thing is, is that like at this point, like it's, it's Magnum in title, like (laughs) Outside they, of they, the Ferrari, they, they take a point to show that Ferrari gets smashed up in the trailer too. Uh, well, the teaser like, for the show. It's like once you get past the Ferrari and Tom Selleck, like what else is there about Magnum that you're like, this is what the show is? Doverman you know? Pictures. That's what you have. I, <laughs> and then I guess. this is the same. Stu- this is the same network that also has the MacGyver reboot. You know, it's like come on, like just whatever. Anyway, so yeah, Alf's back. You know, maybe maybe there'll be another reunion. Of the cast of Gilligan's Island on it. I mean, <laughs> you remember that happening, right? I think Marianne's the only one alive. Yeah, at this it would point. be a really sad. Okay. They bring Betty White and be like, "Have you seen my friends?" <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, I'll admit, like, there are certain things that, like, you know, when they announced that uh, Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter were talking about doing a, you know, Bill and Ted three. I was very excited about that. And then when I heard about the premise, I'm like, oh, that sounds genius. I really want to see that movie. So there are certain things that do touch those buttons for me. But, I mean, I'm kind of at the point where I don't know what else is left that would really like. If there was a legitimate third Gremlins movie, that'd be kind of cool. You know? Yeah. Because it's something else. Like, those are rubber puppets. You could do whatever you want with that. But you don't even have to. I mean, because we're at a point with a lot of franchises now where they're just like, I mean, leaving Halloween out of the equation. Like, look at Predator. Predator is literally like, we're just going to call this movie The Predator, I think, as well. Yeah. You know, and we're probably going to reference some of the movies, but like, it's just picking up and being like, we're going to take what we want and leave what we don't. Like, I feel like 
there's a lot of those franchises at this point where you can just be like, we can pick up 30 years later and just do whatever we want. Gremlins is one of those. Like, they could do a Gremlins 3. They don't even have to call it Gremlins 3. They could just call it Gremlins again or... <laughs> Gremlins. Gremlins. It happened again. Like, <laughs> you oh, know, no. It doesn't have to have Billy or anything like that in it. But, like... I, I mean, what's Phoebe Cates doing right now? I just got to get her back. It's fine. <laughs> She's just going on about like uh, fireplace safety. That's, that's right. <laughs> that's <all>. <laughs> <laughs> they have to find a new holiday that's been ruined. <laughs> yeah, the Gremlins are getting crazy on Arbor Day. Watch <laughs> out. Um, but yeah, I don't. It's just it, it. Alf, like you're right. It was he. It was something that was like a, a crazy zeitgeist at the time. That's not even the right way to say that. But he he was super popular, and then it crashed. Right, and then that was r- right before like the Simpsons took off. Yeah. Like, and not that I'm saying that you switch one for the other. But there was just a bit there where uh, sitcoms and television was changing where things that were popular weren't your atypical like sitcom yeah. fare, you know? So, Although, uh, you know, now that I think about it, you know, uh, my reboot of the California Raisins is coming. It's going to be gritty, though. It's going to be a dark version. Could you please just do a prequel series where they're all grapes and then <laughs> shit happens where they get turned into raisins? Like they're out in the desert and they have to turn on each other. And then the only way out is to form a band. I don't know. Like, there will also be a special appearance by Spuds McKenzie. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Bring back Spuds McKenzie. Have him team up with the target dog. You know? <laughs> anyway. So, yeah. Anyway, that's happening. Enough about that. I Just whatever. Don't care. Uh, speaking of reboots, not really. Uh, so <laughs> this one. <laughs> reboots, not really. I'm pretty sure this is technically. It could be a, re- could be a reboot after. So anyway, please, yeah. please uh, lead the story here. Uh, so official cast has been. Excuse me. <laughs> the official cast of. Uh... You've been cut off on nostalgia. <laughs> official cast for Star Wars Episode Nine: uh, The Death of Lando has uh, been announced. Um, they're bringing back uh, pretty much everyone, with the exception of, of I think. Uh, Gwendolyn Christie, and then just subbing in uh, Billy D. Williams. So yeah, I mean, what uh, happened to Gwendolyn Christie? What happened to her? You know, uh, I think if you added up her total time in both movies, it would be less than five minutes. But that just may be me. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, but uh, when it comes to uh, the film itself, we the most interesting thing that came out of it was is that they're going to be doing something with Carrie Fisher using unused footage from Episode Seven. Um, I. I guess that's fine. Um, I, I kind of expected it to be like, like the opening crawl. I expected it to be Star Wars Episode Nine after the death of General Leia. Like yeah. I thought that was going to be it. Um, so I'm curious to know what they're going to do with that. Um, Mark Hamill is going to be in it. Um, so it'll be interesting if it's Force Ghost Luke or if again they use my idea of you know coming back to the very ending shot of uh, Last Jedi where he just like fades away and then he comes back and he's like, oh, that was close. <laughs> yeah, he almost got me that time, <laughs> dark side. Um, but no, I, 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 you know, obviously uh, it's big news. It started filming. J.J. Abrams released the first like blurry photo from the set today, so it, it's officially He's filming. all about the mystery box, but if you can <laughs> see the image, the image is of a camera rig and, yeah. and you see uh, Finn and... Um, um, Possibly Daisy Ray. Ridley. Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's Finn and Ray. I mean, you could definitely whatever it is, what it is. Like, yeah, you're starting to film. Um, the the thing that's interesting is that it says thanks to Ryan Johnson, special thanks to George Lucas. So you've heard the rumors that they're bringing Lucas in to be more hands on with this. How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, 
I don't know, like for good or for bad, as far as like Lucas is concerned, like he did create it. So I'm Do you always think he's wearing person... like a Sith robe as he walks in. <laughs> I mean, it's a touchy subject because at the same time, like I've heard that his idea for seven, eight, nine was he was going to double down on the midi chlorians idea, and it's like the La- one thing lady that, razors like, for everybody. <laughs> Just like the midi chlorians was like the, the the one thing that I think a lot of people uh, I shouldn't say it's the one thing because people tore those movies apart. It was one of the larger things that people were like it takes I, away from the specialness. I'm just really hoping for more gungans to show up. <laughs> and, uh, we just they are the ones that save the universe. But I mean, I guess if it, it, it's unfortunate in the sense of like if if they were bringing them in to be like okay, what would be a fitting ending? For these original trilogy characters, well, one of them unfortunately is dead in real life. One of them they killed off two movies ago, <laughs> and then the other one they be killed off, whether he's a forest ghost or not, in the last one. So, you know, I I don't know what bringing him in does since they're so far down the road at this point. Like, I, I don't yeah, know. I mean, I, I think that like if if you have somebody who's the torch keeper or the torch bearer for the heart of the series. Say what you want about Lucas and some of his. I think the problem with Lucas is that he was so successful and was able to pretty much wall out, wall out anybody else because of the money that he had to make what he wanted to make. That no one had the spine to tell him no, and that I think this is a bad idea. Come up with something better. I feel like putting in this this situation where he's consulting and Abrams and company don't have to take his suggestions then you can sift out what's good and what's not. I think that's ultimately, I think that's going to maybe better serve because I feel like he even came in and talked to Ron Howard for a second about solo about like there's a, they talked about the brief scene in solo whenever uh, he's confronting, um, uh, you know, the mother of dragons and, and one of Lando's closets with all his capes. Yeah, whatever. Uh, And he goes, to put one of one of the capes away and he just reaches off to the right and drops it as opposed to hanging on the hanger. Lucas told Howard, he's like solo wouldn't bother with hanging that up. Like he yeah. was just so distracted by the conversation. That he didn't care. And that's like, it's a small moment and it's okay. And it's like, it, it definitely shows that he doesn't like, it was one of those things where he's like, he's like Han wouldn't do that. Yeah. And Ron's like, sure, that's fine. Like, and it's a small moment, but like you, you know that this just tells you that how long these characters have lived in Lucas's head. So maybe he doesn't know Ray and Finn, but you know, he, I think he knows, I think he knows the hero's journey and I think he knows what's important to be a Jedi or not. So I'm not trying to give him credit. I just, that I feel like if you, well, you should give him it, credit it, it, in the I mean, like as in the sense, I don't, if this movie comes out and becomes successful and everybody's going to be like Abrams and Lucas saved it, who knows? But well, I just, yeah. I feel like, you know, for, Yes, I have my problems with the prequels, but like I do feel like the bashing of Lucas has gone on for far too long and for for you know, like it, it's A it's a series of movies. B, you know, the guy not only gave you something that you love more than you should probably a lot of things. Um he also, you know, does a lot of like charity work. He donated a lot of his money to charity. A lot of the things that have is come out victims, of Star Wars. Is it from the victims of the prequels? Yes. 
but like I, <laughs> I just I don't know. The, the like, victims are Crystal Skull. They're like you know. I, I can absolutely have... like yes, I can absolutely point to things and be like, yeah, I didn't like that, or oh, I didn't care for that, or you know, I I think I've said on the show before that Attack of the Clones is easily my least favorite of all the prequels and probably all the films, but at the same time, like I I just I feel like it's kind of old at this point to mm-hmm. like just shit on Lucas and. You know, how long can we complain about something like a forty-year-old franchise at this point? Like, well, and, and ultimately, and, like, I, and, um, and I've and I've heard this reflected other places. Star Wars isn't ours. Yeah, it is. Um, it's it's something that's being presented to us. And for whatever your conflicts are about the Last Jedi, and I know eventually, <laughs> I know eventually you're just gonna come around and be like, I didn't like that movie. I know it's coming, Steve. You can just you can just you know admit it right now. I'm joking. It, um, I, I know I'm joking. Just as much as people like, 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 would be upset at me because I thought it was an okay film, and I yeah. was like, "What's wrong with you?" I'm like, "I didn't say I hated it, you know." But yeah. so, whatever. I just feel like with this, it's like bringing Lucas in isn't a bad isn't a bad call. It's just that I feel like Lucas not reined in is is a a I don't think it's a successful proposition to rounding out your trilogy that he. He had an idea for it, like you said. Two movies are been made with like you know chapter numbers that he's not involved in. Like, how much of a course correction do you think you're going to get out of that? That's yeah, all. I don't think that you can. And you know, going back to Last Jedi, you know, I, I I'm the one who, like I said, amongst my friends who like yourself, uh, when I criticize it, think I hate it, and then <laughs> the people that I know who are, who hate it think i love it so i'm in this weird position of being like yeah it's got things that i love and things that i hate it's imperfect unfortunately um but you know i i would you know if he does have input i would be interested to hear what that input is at this point because i feel like whatever his ideals ideas were for seven eight nine i feel like it's drifted away from that so like where do you bring that back in especially with characters that he no longer created so um because he doesn't have finn or poe or ray um and maybe he might have written archetypes for those characters so he can work off of those but i don't know i i and i I certainly think that like bringing him in might also just be like a to the people who did hate last jedi a olive branch be like hey we brought in that other guy that you hate (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but on that subject too like i feel like we're so fickle these days yeah i mentioned the predator earlier about you know being a film that um you know they're sort of like ignoring what they don't want to use and using what they want to use as far as like the franchise goes but i was reading an article today and like the comments and these are the same people i swear who a year ago or whenever it was announced that Shane Black was doing a new Predator, were like, he's absolutely the right choice. He's the best person for that movie. Da 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 da. Who now that they've seen a trailer are like, oh man, Shane Black is terrible. <laughs> and like, yeah, it's like you know, the movie hasn't even come out yet, and you guys have made up your mind that it's terrible. A and like a year ago, you were praising Shane Black. I love Shane Black. I'm, I'll admit, like the the trailer so far for Predators have been underwhelming, but like. I'm still going to go see it probably. Yeah. Like if I yeah. don't see it in the theater, I'll definitely watch it on VOD once it's released. Like I, I don't know. Turn the camera off. I'm done. I just 
That's just, my favorite so, Carlin Ellison uh, saying. Is yeah. He used to end interviews by saying, turn the camera off. So so anyway, yeah, uh, episode nine started filming, and Steve will have feelings about this as we go along. <laughs> after, so. the dun- after my rambling. No, 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 no. It, I think it's all valid. So yeah. all right, uh, next thing uh, real quick, and then uh, so MoviePass, uh, that thing that seemed too good to last, uh, I didn't mean that to rhyme, uh, may not. Yeah. Like, <laughs> who'd have thought something that a, p- a company that pays more in tickets versus the people using the service to get to get tickets would run into financial difficulties. Yeah, and it's funny too because I was gonna go see the new Mission Impossible Kevin, but I couldn't because my movie pass wouldn't work. I for like it. the idea that you call the film Mission Impossible Kevin. I think that's like... <laughs> well. No, I was saying to Kevin because oh, I think okay. he might be listening. Uh, no, I. Uh... <laughs> no, they were funny. It was blacked out for the entire weekend, right? Yeah. So the whole story was that like movie pass itself was down, and supposedly they ran out of money. And so people couldn't go see the movies they wanted to go see. And then MoviePass is like, no, 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 no. We got money. But there are now changes. Yeah. Uh, the biggest change is that, like, uh, I believe it's up to two weeks now before you can see a new release. Yeah. Uh, so let's say, you know, a new movie comes out on the 15th. You're not going to be able to see it until after the 29th. Uh, on movie pass so like it automatically will block out whatever the biggest release is so and I, i'd already figured that like if there's a preview night for say like halloween when that comes out in october i was probably gonna end up buying a ticket for that anyway but it, this makes it crystal clear that like if i'm gonna see it on my second view i'll have to use it then i won't be able to use it upon my first viewing probably yeah and the price is now up to 15 a month which i mean again um i for for a specific market I think this is perfectly usable, you know, like and if I had, if I had better time in planning, this might be something where if there's movies that I'm on the bubble about waiting two weeks and going to go see as part of my, my movie pass, I'd be okay with. And I think I'd probably go see movies that I had not as much interest in because it's already part of the plan. But I feel like that's a bait and switch for people that bought this pass with the promise of seeing the movies they want to see day one. Yeah. And I hate to say it, but like, I don't use it as much as I thought I would. Um, we got it and, uh, when was it? I think it was, cause I think the first movie I saw with it was Justice League. So that was November of last year. Okay. They ran a promotion where it was like, you get a full subscription for a year for $89. And I was like, I can make that up. No problem. A <laughs> yeah. house um, is not going to win. Yeah. But at the same time, I do realize that I was like, oh, like if there's a movie that I'm mildly interested in. You know, I would go see it now because I don't have to worry about the the money par- portion of it coming in. But at the same time, I'm still finding like, for instance, uh, Unfriended, the first movie when that came out, I didn't see it in the theater. Caught it on HBO, and I was like, oh, that was actually a lot better than I thought it was. And then I saw the second one came out, Unfriended, uh, Dark Web. I'm like, oh, I'm mildly interested in it. Maybe I'd use movie pass for that, but I haven't. That's the tagline for the film, Unfriended, Dark Web. (laughs) A mildly interesting movie. (laughs) But, like, that's the perfect case of, like, I don't lose anything but time but going to see it, and I still haven't, like, because I always thought, you know, the financial aspect was going to be my big barrier for films. And the truth of the matter is, is that, like, it's more of a decision, at least for me. Time and commitment. Yeah. Yeah. 
I know that there are people who use it way, way more. Like, um, you know, your mutual friend Rob, you know, I think that he gets... Yeah, he's... he. He's, he's been a fan of the movie past from its original incarnation. He uh, sees so many movies. I am I'm completely jealous of the amount of movie watching he does. Yeah. But he is like, if there's a bell curve, he's at one end of like extreme usage, you yeah. know? And I feel like, unfortunately, his his viewing habits are the thing they're trying to curtail. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. And, and that's been frustrating for him. Um, yeah. I just, I feel like, and also now he... He has now been pivoting to that AMC Stubbs program, which is also a monthly program. It lets you see three movies a week, and there's parameters for that. And it's a little bit more, but it's guaranteed. And it's like, it's still three movies a week's a lot you know, yeah. for, for me, you know, if I was to go see movies. And that feels like, I feel like AMC saw what MoviePass did and was like, all right, well, they're going to fall on their keys. What can we do that's appealing, that's profitable, that's still a win-win for people that want to do this? So I think you're going to start seeing individual uh, chains offer their own type of uh, you know quote unquote subscription service um, from this, and I think that could be a win win. Um, you know, and and it could be something as long as it's not a year long commitment that I might find like a window of two or three months where I'll be able to get to go see a lot of things I want to see and pay that as opposed to paying full price every time I go to the theater. Yeah, and I, I do feel like now I'm running out the clock. There would be three months left on that year subscription, like. I feel like I need to like amp up my movie going time and like yeah I'm gonna go see Mamma Mia the sequel even <laughs> though I didn't see the first one because I, you know I don't why think not? You, I don't think you need to see the original I think I think uh, <laughs> you know it'll, it'll tell you the whole story you need to know so yeah. I'll just buy a ticket for that and go see Unfriended <laughs> yeah that's the thing the movie pass they don't tell you that you could do is just go go pick a movie <laughs> like think about that like oh well this movie's blocked out for two weeks not if I sneak in the theater <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's bad. I, I didn't say that. I didn't recommend that you do that at all. So anyway, so yeah, enough about that. I'm, we'll, we'll see what MoviePass does. It's It feels like it's a constantly changing day-by-day status. It of that. is. Uh, I feel like once a month there's some sort of new like, oh, we've changed our uh, program you again. You can only see the first half or the second half of the film, <laughs> but not the whole movie. And it's like a timeshare. You have to go and tell, like, tag a person out and be like, you already saw the first half. I'm sitting down to watch the second half. Like, no. I paid for this. Yeah, so anyway. <laughs> um, anyway, all right. So you wanted to mention, uh, speaking of movies in the theater. Yeah, the last yeah. thing I wanted to mention is, is a, I believe it's September 27th, they're going to be showing the original Transformers, the movie, not the Michael Bay film, but the actual animated film from 1986 in theaters. Um, I'm a huge fan of this movie, um, and they're actually going to be using, I believe, the print that Shout Factory restored for their uh, DVD Blu-ray release uh, last year. So... Um, if you're a fan of the Transformers movies, and or I should say the Transformer movie, uh, <laughs> it's a good way to see it. But they are doing like a special like preview of Bumblebee with it. Um, so if you're interested in the Bumblebee movie at all, you get bonus content for that. I could care less about Bumblebee, but seeing that movie in the theater, uh, and I saw it in the theater originally when it came out as a kid, so I'm kind of psyched to go see that again. So okay. September 27th, and I believe tickets go on sale this Friday, which is August 3rd. Uh, you will believe a robot can say shit real loud in the middle of an animated film. <laughs> you believe Optimus Prime can die. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah, so, yeah. All right, that's going to do it for news. And now let's just talk about a 10-year-old movie. Woohoo! And now for our feature presentation. So 
the Dark Knight tenth uh, anniversary of the film. It came out like towards the end of July. I forget the actual date, but it was like two weeks ago. So it marked tenth anniversary. And the only reason why I noticed that is because there was like a number of different outlets writing about the ten year anniversary of the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. And I figured, you know what? Like um, now that we've been in, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, just just celebrated its tenth anniversary. Yes. Uh, and DC is doing things <laughs> with, with their films. <laughs> I, I thought it was worth the time to go back to watch uh, The Dark Knight, which is the second of the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy, or however you want to call it, his Batman trilogy, and to see how, A, like w- the the climate at the time when the movie came out, B, has it hold, held up, and, and C, like the effects of that film going forward. Okay. So, uh, so the first things first, um, I know you've never seen a Batman film before. That's, that's the joke. But uh, your are like, I don't know, you're coming to the Christopher Nolan Batman films. Like how were, like, I'm sure that you had to remember a time when they announced that he was making uh, Batman Begins. Like, how did you feel about that? What was the overall, like, you know, because at the time, you could, I guess you could set the stage with what had come before as of, of Batman films before these were these came out. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I need to really dredge up Batman and Robin from 1997, but like that had put a. That's the only movie I've ever fallen asleep while making fun of. <laughs> <laughs> I was on a Prince couch, being like, "This movie's so <clears throat> like somewhere like the sky surfing scene." I think I fell asleep, so it wasn't that far into the movie, and I just passed out making fun of this movie. It was like midday, <laughs> no alcohol involved. I've never been so bored and frustrated with the movie at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I saw it in the theater. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, I'm sorry. And uh, it was under the guise of like, oh, it'll be shitty. We can go make fun of it. And I just sat there like the whole time, like, just let it be over. Let it be over. <laughs> uh, kind of like me watching Crow City of Angels. Where I'm like, this could be. Oh, it's not good at all. It's actually really bad. Why am I here? Oh, I paid money. Oh, I guess I got to stay. The- what just happened? That's how I yeah. <laughs> Uh, being in the air conditioning, I guess, was the only plus. I was like, I'm yeah. not in the heat for two hours. Um, but nice uh, to see you. I, my favorite uh, favorite line is, uh, you know, when he gives the Alfred for uh, he gives the antidote to whatever the mysterious illness is that only Mister Freeze can cure that Alfred has. You know, and he's like, take two of these and call me in the morning. You know, like I find it suspicious that Schwarzenegger knows how to heal the house help. <laughs> anyway, um, but uh, yeah, so that kind of put a coffin in the Batman franchise for a while. Yeah, um, two thousand we have X Men comes out; it's a big hit. Uh, two thousand two we see Spider Man; that's the biggest movie of that year, I believe. Um, and then Spider Man Two comes out, and that's a big hit in two thousand four, and. So finally, like somebody at Warner Bros. is like, maybe we should try Batman again. And they bring in Chris Nolan. Um, at that point, I believe the only film of his that I had seen was Memento, and I loved that movie. Um, but it was sort of this thing of being like, yeah, if I hear good things, I'll go see it kind of reaction. Because I just, I'd been burned. You know, I no matter how much I liked, you know, what was going on with Marvel at the time. And, Marvel at the time wasn't even what it is now or what it was 10 years ago, to be honest with you. It was, it was still, I was still suspect of seeing a Batman movie. And it wasn't in a Zack Snyder way of like, oh, I have no interest in seeing that. It was just a, all right, I'll be curious to see what they do with it. 
Um, and, you know, right from the beginning, it was like, okay, the movie's going to have Christian Bale as Batman. Oh, I, I like Christian Bale. It's going to have Liam Neeson as Ra's al Ghul, or I believe they call him... No, I, th- I think they call him Ra's in that. And I was brought up with him being called Ra- Ra's al Ghul on the animated series, but um, semantics. <laughs> uh, long story short, a uh, very well-casted film, very uh, great talent behind it. Uh, it comes out, it starts getting good reviews, and I go see it, and I'm like, I'm on board for now with the, the Christopher Nolan Batman. I mean, as with any sort of superhero film that doesn't give me exactly what I was anticipating, sure, there were things that I was like, ah, I wish they'd have done this, or I wish I'd have done that, but it was miles ahead of Batman and Robin, and it was, okay, we've got Batman sort of re brought into the consciousness as this this version of the character the Christopher Nolan very realistic version of the character I mean that was Nolan's whole thing was that he needed to believe everything so whether it was how he got his armament to the the years that he spent training to the the basic plot of how Rachel Ghoul is going to bring down Gotham like all that stuff had to be seated some way in the real world for Nolan Flash forward three years when they're making a sequel, and I'll fully admit it, I was one of those people. Now, granted, I wasn't taking to the internet at the time, but I was one of those people when I heard Heath Ledger as the Joker. So you were just a troll, not an internet troll. Yes, <laughs> I was just a troll, but I remember... Hanging I, out under a bridge just yelling stuff. Like, <laughs> the kid from A Knight's Tale? No. <laughs> but I remember hearing that Heath Ledger is going to be the, be the Joker, and I'm like, oh, that sounds terrible. Um, and mind you, I hadn't seen really much of his work. Like, I had no basis for that other than, like, the guy from, like, 10 Things I Can't Stand About You. Ugh. <laughs> so, like... Hey, he starred alongside Robin. Uh, not Robin. I'm sorry. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. In that, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I just I had no interest in him as the Joker. And then the first photo came out, and it was like a... A blurry photo of like just his face, and I'm like, oh god, what are they doing? It just looked like he yeah, eaten, like, a that felt sandwich. a little tone tone deaf. It's like, what is going on here? Yeah, yeah, um, ketchup sandwich. <laughs> the <laughs> Joker's poor, and all he could do is he just has ketchup sandwiches, ketchup and bologna sandwiches, and it just got all over his face. Um, so it took me a little while to get on board, and I don't remember if the first trailer had been unveiled before he passed away, but I. I I, I hate to frame it in this light, but that certainly put heat on the movie where people were very suddenly interested in the movie simply because he'd passed away. Yeah, anybody anybody that like you know that is of note that's gone before the actual film comes out, then yeah. there's talk about that, right? So uh, to, to go back just a second here, just to give a point of reference. So uh, what Christopher Nolan has done is like full feature films, uh, though the film following isn't like 90 minutes, but that was his, his first one. I've not seen that still. I need to watch that. Uh, Memento from 2000. Insomnia, which is the one with Al Pacino oh, and Robin yeah, Williams. I, f- I forgot about that one. Um, that's, that's a good movie. It was weird, but it was good. Yeah. Um, uh, very distant and cold, which, I, you know what? That kind of describes Christopher Nolan's directing sometimes. Yeah. But, and then Batman Begins in 2005. The Prestige, which had Batman versus Wolverine in 2006. I still haven't seen that one. That's a really good movie. You have David Bowie as Tesla. I don't know why you've not seen this film. Yeah. I... Um, it's really, really good. Michael Caine's in it too, because of course Michael Caine's in it. And then, but so if you notice, then this is not this is not related to the conversation. Anytime Nolan's put out like a Batman film that's made bank, he gets to make one film for himself. 
kind of. So he did the Prestige and then the Dark Knight, and then he's like, "Hey, Dark Knight made more money than God. Guess I'm going to make Inception." Yeah. And then he put out, uh, you know, um, the Dark Knight Rises, and was like, "Guess I'm making Interstellar now." Like, it almost feels like he's like this gun for hired. Like, I'll do a Batman movie if I get to do the weird movie I want to make after. But uh, yeah, he didn't have, in terms of pedigree, he didn't have the biggest. Well, I mean, not pedigree, but resume. Like, Memento and Insomnia are definitely. If you watch Batman Begins, you don't necessarily see those films in Batman Begins. No. Um, and I also feel like Batman Begins uh, is one of those films, too, where he didn't get to let loose completely because I feel like Warner Brothers was like, you got to make this a little bit more Batman y, you know, in the sense of like Gotham was still a little extreme looking with its like above ground, uh, like subway. Um, with the whole water evaporating thing, like there was a, there was a little bit more, a little bit more goofy DC stuff in that film than I feel like he would allowed in the dark Knight. Like, yeah, I mean, I, that's certainly a fair, um, goofy is probably not the right word, more comic booky stuff that's in Batman begins than there is in the dark Knight. Although to, to be fair, if I remember correctly, that movie was also like one of the few comic book movies that was like giving credit to the actual comic book, uh, creators where certain things came from. Okay. Um, like I, I feel like Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill were credited for creating Rachel Ghoul. I feel like uh, the actual subway system. Uh, there was a concept in Batman that there was an underground subway that uh, he used a bat vehicle to get around in, and I think that they used was it that. The, was it the Nightcrawler from Justice League? It, it was not. <laughs> the Nightcrawler is easily the. It's the Justice Jogger of uh, the Superpowers toys of the current day. Um, But uh, there was a lot of influence from the comics. I I believe, actually, Lucius Fox, also, that was his first film appearance, if I'm not... Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, Because, well, the Tumblr, which I was going to ask about that later, that was like shown as a military uh, vehicle that was developed by Wayne Tech that Lucius was in charge of or something to that effect, right? Yeah. So... Like there were supposed to be, you're right, these organic seeds planted of how Batman came to be. Yes. Um, though I th- just, it's interesting going to the Dark Knight, which is clearly Gotham is clearly Chicago. They're, they do not hide this at all. But you go from the sky, the Skyway uh, subway of the first movie. That's there. There's no remnants of it at all in the second film. Like he just basically is like, nope, we're just doing Chicago. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe they reference it at the beginning of the movie, if I remember correctly, but like they don't really like because I think it's less than a year that between Dark Knight, and, something like that. Yeah, because yeah. uh, I guess like the whole thing it got like, and and I got maybe I'm jumbling the conversation. I apologize. Just I you, rambled for like ten minutes. So. No, no, I I rambled for 100 what's 154 episodes, so it's fine. Uh, I I feel like Nolan shook off the the majority of the comic book look for the dark Knight, because uh, watching it again recently, uh, the, the world feels like the real world because it's Chicago. You do have a guy in a bat suit. You do have a guy in Joker makeup, but everything else in that film looks like a city street. It looks like, you know, looks like things where Gotham has always been <laughs> with the exception of the dark Knight and the dark Knight rises, which this part that's Pittsburgh, but whatever. Um, Gotham's always been stylized and Gotham in the dark Knight doesn't feel stylized to me. It just feels urban. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's a good thing. I think that because when you get to even the newer stuff, Gotham felt like uh, like a horror show version of a city versus Metropolis. 
Like, like, you know, this is where the scary people live. Metropolis is where the good people go to work every day. This one, like, even though it was straight up Chicago and you could tell about the skyline, it felt like a real city that real people lived in. And I think that's part of why that film still feels like it doesn't, doesn't age um, to me while watching it. Cause it feels like it's set in a real setting where uh, the Marvel films, as much as I feel like they capture city life better than I do feel like the newer DC films do. Um, Marvel's New York is not New York, even though they, they, they do it to a degree, but it's always like that kind of like how you hope New York looks, you know? And with the dark Knight, I feel like Chicago looked like Chicago to me. And maybe that's not, that maybe I'm not making my point, but I feel like this movie watching it again and then seeing the crime at street level, like the beginning part of the dark Knight, that first five, six minutes is its own movie. And it's amazing. You know, the whole bank heist with the Joker and his crew. But then when you get into to, um, uh, Jim Gordon trying to get his warrants to go and stop these banks and all this other stuff, that all feels like a movie that doesn't have to involve a, a guy in a bat suit and a guy with painted like makeup. That all feels like a real like a real drama, like a real crime drama to me. Yeah. And I, I don't know if other movies have captured that. I mean, even even the Marvel Netflix series don't always feel like I feel like that's like the grittier grit, grit, grit side of New York. Well, I feel like this feels more. I don't know. It's it's its own animal. And because of that, I feel like it hasn't aged much at all in that sense. Yeah, I mean, that's I understand your point. And thank you, because I don't. Uh, <laughs> I, There's I mean, just a clean look to it. I don't not clean. It's not right. There is. It's a real. Matter it's more of fact, of a realism. Yeah, is, no. is what you're saying. It's a more realistic depiction. As of, cops keep going by here, and this is the gritty, gritty uh, invasion of the podcast reboot going on right now. You know, if I'm looking at Gotham from the standpoint of, I've always thought of, of Gotham as its own character. Um, I very much still love the designs from the '89 Batman film, um, and I, I can't believe I can't remember his name at this point, but the the architect who designed all that stuff. Um, he actually killed himself, I think, before the second one. Um, I feel like it wasn't that long after the, the first one came out, actually, that he had committed suicide. Um, but I very much loved his design of Gotham. Um, the second movie is all filmed. And when I say second movie, I'm sorry. Batman Returns is filmed on a soundstage. And it, it, it doesn't quite have the same feeling as the first Batman movie does. Well, I always the, felt like as you go from those two into the the later two that came out, a Gotham just kept getting higher and higher and more elevated and more extreme with bridges and very gothic, uh, like, um, what do you call them? Fixtures, not fixtures, but like the gargoyles and the sides of the buildings and yeah. every, everything just kept getting more vertical with those movies. And I, and, and I feel like Nolan trimmed that back a little bit and begins and then completely eliminated it, it all with The Dark Knight. Yeah, and I, for me, I, I'm, I tend to prefer that more sort of outlandish gothic landscape. Um, I, I really like... Uh, I mean, the perfect version of that is the Batman animated series where it's... Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, this... Uh, it's a, a town that's almost like stuck in like a 1950s world of tomorrow type world, but it, it works so well. It's got gothic architecture, but all this like steel running through it. And um, so when it comes to Gotham as like a character itself... I certainly understand that, like, him depicting it as almost just Chicago was part of his mindset, I think. Mm -hmm. Like, he needed to make it real for him to make the movie work. And, I mean, 
Batman the Dark Knight um, to get not because I don't want to keep getting off topic with it. That film itself works much more like any sort of crime movie that you've ever seen. Um, I, and it's not a fair comparison to say like Heat. But well, like, it is it's, a fair comparison. So I was going to, I was going to say that. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Um, I I had seen Heat for the first time last year. It was first time watch for me because uh, I don't know. I guess I'm just terrible at getting to movies, right? I mean, we, we mentioned this during Vision yeah. Impossible, our talk. Heat is an amazing film from beginning to end. And then when you know that one of Christopher Nolan's favorite films is Heat, and now seeing Heat and now knowing that and watching The Dark Knight again just two days ago, the fingerprints of that movie is all over The Dark Knight. Like, it is crazy, like, yeah. how much, you know, and I'm not, and the, the wonderful thing about it is, I never, I didn't see Heat before I saw The Dark Knight, which I watched in the theater, and I was blown away by like the clockwork precision of a lot of the heist stuff, just a lot of the action sequences, how how matter of fact things were happening, and then watching Heat, and you're like, holy crap! Like this this is that playbook, but no one still made it his own. Like yeah. so, and then I, sorry, I didn't mean to take away your point. It's just that. Like basically, this is heat with uh, you know, with a guy in a cape and a guy wearing makeup, right? And it's all the better for it because I mean, the stronger and I keep coming back to the Marvel movies because I'm a honk. I apologize. Uh, the the stronger ones, I feel like they latch onto a genre or a specific idea, and then they tell a superhero story through that genre. And I feel like this was Nolan saying, "I want to tell a Batman story through the lens of heat," and. What a! I can't think of a better mashup. Like that was awesome. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you ask me my personal preference when it comes to Gotham, yes, I'm going to want that sort of Batman animated series version of Gotham. But I don't begrudge the way it looks, and yeah, I, I that was never like something that I ever like held against. You know, the Dark Knight, and going back to that opening sequence. I mean, I don't know that I. There isn't a sequence in any of the other films in the Batman universe where the introduction to the Joker, that first 10 minutes, that scene is so well done. Yeah. It sets up the movie perfectly. It tells you who he is and it gives you this taste of like, this is not the Joker that you know. It's a different version of the character. And one of the things that I've always liked about that version of the character is, is that in the comics, they've sort of made it where like, he's so unpredictable that he never has an M.O., and I liked the fact that, like, even though he's based in anarchy, he still has sort of an M.O. He's robbing banks, not because he cares about the move, the money, but because it's fun. Well, that and like he knows, and it like, creates he, leverage later. Yes, that his whole thing is like, I'm going to take the entire system and just like, tilt it. Like, and that's and if it means I have to do these things first, I'm going to do it. Right, like, especially like that that bit towards the end, whenever he has that entire pile of money, and all everyone's just watched him, and he's just like. Yeah, he's like, you think I care about this? And he's like, this is what I need to get rid of this. So I, like, he just burns it, right? And he's just like, this isn't, this isn't about money. This is basically, he's like, this is about a point when he says this city needs a better class of criminal. Right. It, it's it's all about him proving the point that all it takes is a little bit of leverage, and you can make everybody come like come off their high horse. Yeah, right? I and mean, he has the line about bullets and gasoline being cheap. Yeah, you know, and that is a version of the character that I really, really like because. I feel like it's a crutch, particularly in a lot of the Batman comics that I've read, where it's like, 
his only his only reason for doing anything is because he's insane. Okay, well that's fine. That gets you to a certain point. But at some point, there's got to be a reason why he's doing things specifically the way he is. There has to be something behind it. I don't care if it's just because he's he's crazy. Now he might kill somebody or you know buy them a sandwich just because he's crazy. Like he might. <laughs> it's not a very good two, sandwich though. Like, but like no, I'm just saying that like he, it's full of smilex. You know he might. Like, let's say he pops up at, like, a McDonald's. He might murder everyone there, or he might buy a food for everyone. Yeah. Like, there's, that's that's an insanity. But there would have to be a deeper reason to why he makes that choice for either one of those. And, like, that's the thing that I felt, like, in the comics, particularly, it was always like, well, he's just insane. With this, there's a specific uh, MO and a, a very specific... I don't want to keep using the word MO, but there's a very specific point to what he's doing, yeah. Um, as crazy as it might be, he's still got a plan. Well, there, there's the sequence. I mean, I'd even argue that he has a plan just because as much as he hates plans and he has that talk with Harvey in the hospital about like, you know, basically everybody else has plans and my whole goal is to turn them like, you know, against themselves. His plan is anarchy. Yeah. Like it's still a plan. Bro. But he still has a plan. But the, there's the bit whenever after uh, he uh, the semi flips. And he gets out of it, and he has the machine gun, and he's just ba- he's basically calling Batman. He's like, just just do it, just 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 kill me, like not because I mean, as much as he probably wants a sweet release of death, because like I don't know, he's a weirdo. It's like he he knows the moment that Batman crosses the line that he said he's never going to cross, he wins, he wins, yeah. and it's just like he's just do it, just do it. I'm not going to see here. I'm not going to be here to see what happens after, but I know I've won, like, yeah. and I've proven my point, you know, and like that is. And so much of that movie is about basically a, the impossible a philosoph- choice. Well, yeah, yeah the yeah. philosophical, also like you know, um, discussion of you know fighting for almost Gotham's soul. Yeah, like I'm going to show you that people aren't worth saving in a lot of ways. Like he, you know, the the, the whole idea between the two boats is that like you know they're going to turn on each other. You know, I don't have to do anything except for tell them. You know, they have the keys to destroy the other one first. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and I, I love that, you know. And as much as he does go on about, like, you know, anarchy and, and, you know, being free to choose whatever you want, there's still something behind that. And whether it's a plan or not, I guess maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but, like, whether it's a plan or not is maybe not important, but it is important to the character for having goals in the film. And I think that that's the biggest thing that he brings to that character um, as far as, like, he's crazy, but there's something else there. He's, you know, as much as I, you know, can look back nostalgically at at Jack Nicholson's Joker and be, like, you know, still kind of in love with that version of that character, his plans don't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, at first he wants to get revenge against the like his his mob boss, like the like uh, Jack Palance, right? Yes. Like so, the whole thing is positioning himself to take over that crime family and then basically run the city. Yeah, and then I, I think it's just I don't know. Like I, it's been a forever since I've seen Batman, and and thankfully. Uh, living in Cleveland, uh, the Cleveland cinemas, they're going to be showing that in November, I think. Yes. Right. So I'm going to hold off and watching it again. I'm going to, I think I'm going to go see it at the theater cause it's been too long, but I remember the whole big thing was, and the, the talking about context that you talk about Heath Ledger as the Joker. Everyone's like, who can possibly top Jack Nicholson as a Joker? Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, you had Mark Hamill bring a very different Joker in the animated series. And then you have Heath Ledger bringing a very different version of the Joker. Um, so I have a question about that. Uh, so I'm going to ask that now and then we'll get into kind of like the box office at the time. Do you feel 
with the way Heath Ledger presented the Joker is more of an, like pure anarchy as the literal wild card that you did not know what, what was going to happen next. How do you feel that's colored the character over the past 10 years in comics? Because I know with Jared Leto picking up the, the mantle for Suicide Squad, he was trying to come up with a different take. How much do you think um, uh, that actor, you know, Jared Leto, Jared, Jared, Jared Leto the, the other, Heath, Ledger. Heath Ledger? Wow, I can't remember my jokers. How much do you think his his performance has colored the comics presenting presenting of the Joker in the past ten years? So, I mean, if you look back at uh, before Dark Knight came out. People, there, there was a lot of discussion of like, there's no way he's going to top Nicholson because he's Nicholson. Like, no matter what you feel about that performance, he's Jack Nicholson. He's one of our greatest living actors. Um, for, for someone who phoned it in later in his career, he leaned into that so heavy. Yeah, and it's it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a great performance. So uh, that was sort of the thought going in, and I feel like that's still where we're at with with the Joker. I don't think that. <sighs> And it's unfair because I haven't seen Suicide Squad. Like I still haven't watched it. I think it's still on HBO Go. Um, I just laugh because I saw that in the theater, and you know me, I like I'm not big DC guy. I'm the DC yeah. guy, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll catch it at some point. Um, that no matter what, Ledger's shadow still is overhanging the character, and I feel like it's not going to go away for a while. Now there's two Joker movies in production, one with Jared Leto, one with, I believe, Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Um, and I feel like they're still going to be under that guise of like trying to get out from underneath the Heath Ledger version. I will say in the comics, it's very weird the way they've handled him in the comics because DC relaunched, and I keep thinking it was like a year ago, but it's now like five or six years ago where they relaunched as the new 52. Part of that was the Joker cutting off his own face. I don't know if you remember I read, that. I read that. That was um, not a death in the family. Yeah, but it, it was, was a, okay. the death of the family, I believe. Okay, yeah. Um, and uh, he set upon a whole mission of uh, trying to, again, basically just drive Batman crazy yeah. um, and turn the family against itself. Um, I would say that that's certainly more inspired by like, hey, we need to find a purpose for the Joker uh, going up against Batman. Like, I feel like they were trying to recenter the character as far as why are these two the, and I, I, I still think that like, you know, some people might argue that like Spider-Man versus the Goblin is the the best hero villain you know, or Superman and Lex Luthor. Like for me, it's always going to be Batman and Joker. I think that that's. I would agree with two. that. Yeah, I mean, because because Batman has rules, the Joker does not. Yeah, and the whole thing, especially in the Dark Knight in the film, whenever uh, you know Batman's like, "Why are you trying to kill me?" He's like, "Why would I kill you?" He's like, "You're too much fun." Like, right. And he's just basically he's like, "If I kill you, then the game's over, and I can't prove my point." Like, and I and, like, and I feel like that's yeah. what they've done in the comics is, is like. He's crazy, but he's still like he's more interested in torturing Batman than he is committing actual crimes. Even though he's still committing those crimes to torture Batman. Okay. So that's and to be fair, I haven't read a lot of those. I did read Court of Owls and I read The Death of, of the Family, but beyond that, I'll have to admit I don't know where they're at with him now. I know that he no longer. Because at one point he was wearing his face as a mask. <laughs> and I, I guess it, it just seems to me, like, and, and here, how many comics have I written? None. I, I feel like it's an easy go-to to be like, well, he's just brr, brr, crazy. We can yeah. just do whatever. And I and I feel like, 
I feel like in The Dark Knight, uh, Heath Ledger's Joker was not crazy. Like he he definitely had issues and definitely was disturbed. It was but a to, realistic version. To say of crazy. that he was crazy yeah. is not true. To say that he was like nihilistic in a lot of his viewpoints. Absolutely, and his means to an end was extreme. But to say that, he, like, there was one point where someone calls him crazy, and he's like, he's basically, you know, he's like, I'm not, and he was very yeah. adamant about that. I think, uh, I forget who was it, um, Aaron Eckhart, who yes. says it to him. He's like, you're crazy. He's like, no, I'm not. Like, basically, like, you don't have the right to say that to me because basically, he's like, I've thought about this a lot more than you have, you know, like, and like that. That's the thing that comes back to me watching the film is that. Even though I will say 10 years on, and, I, and this is me jumping the gun a little bit, there are coincidences, or I should say perfect timing in the film that I don't know if the plot necessarily deserves because I feel like they, some of the setup, as wonderful it is to see it happen in the movie, it wouldn't happen that way. Or there's too many questions about how did that happen that way, but I think the overall product the first time knocked me on my ass, so I didn't think about it too much. Um Especially the ending. The ending, there's some big questions about the ending. Ledger's performance and his presentation of the Joker is unique. And um, I, like, especially when he gets in the hospital talking to Harvey and kind of lays out his whole entire thought process, even though you know he's kind of pulling a line of bullshit on Harvey just to get him moving and to get him to be out there to still also be an agent of chaos. Um, uh, 50-50 chaos? I don't, I don't know what you call that. <laughs> well, I mean, the whole idea of the coin being chaos. Yeah, like he letting... was like, you know, he's like, luck is the only thing driving me. Yeah. Um, that's unique, and I can't think of another another villain in any superhero film where, I mean, maybe, maybe the level of Thanos is because he, you could call him the Mad Titan, but he has a specific plan in place, and he knows he knows what he wants to do. The question is, does he understand the cost, even though he thinks he does? Yeah. I think I think the Joker understood the cost the entire time. It's just that, you know, the only person that could really do it was him. And if you can tie him up long enough, then he's going to get frustrated because the world's not going to work a way the way he thinks it's going to work most of the time. Yeah. You know, so I yeah. Um, so, well, I think yeah. it's, you know, I, I feel like we've talked mainly about the Joker and I feel like we haven't actually <laughs> even talked about the film. Um, you know, when it comes down to the actual film itself, you know, when you're talking about uh, what works and what doesn't as far as like 10 years on, that chase uh, from the moment that like he lets the cops basically get him to the point where he's being interrogated by Batman to yeah. like all that stuff still works so ridiculously well. Um, and the fact that like... You know, he's just kind of taunting Batman in that jail cell is it's one of my favorite scenes because it's like he knows the one thing that like, you know, Batman won't do. So I'm just going to keep harping on that. No, that, like, that's fair. And, and and so that 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 you're that stuff's all great. That's all great. And I honestly will say after the glut of DC movies that we've gotten recently that have been joyless slogs with the exception of Wonder Woman. And Justice League has moments because Justice, you know, because Joss Whedon tried to, he tried to polish a turn. He tried to fix things. He tried. Yeah. <laughs> your your words are better than mine. Um, I forgot how much legitimate, like, good one-liners and humor is in the Dark Knight. Like, there's actually some funny moments for the whole film. It's not like you know rolling down the aisle laughing, but like Heath Ledger gets some really good 
statements in like when he's confronting the gangster the first time and he refers to Lao as the TV. He's yeah. like, he's like what the TV is saying. It's like, I like that. <laughs> and then whenever he's being confronted by Batman and like interrogated, he's like, you don't start with the head. You get all fuzzy. And like, and Batman's just being the shit out of him. But he's yeah. just like critiquing his interrogation technique. And it's like, I know these are all like this, this is a sick mind, but they're funny deliveries of the line. Well, that and like there's real crowd pleasing moments in this. I remember people clapping during the entire bat pod se- sequence when that ends, uh, when they're going through the chase, yeah, you know, and you know, right up to the point where I think that the the Joker um, is on the ground and like he's like, "Come on, come on," yeah, you know, that sort of classic showdown. Like people were like clapping at different points during that whole sequence. Um, well, even like the tr- the food truck that's being pulled upside, like the the convoy uh, when they're hauling Air, um, Aaron Eckhart when they're pulling uh, Harvey Dent along. The truck it says laughter is the best medicine. There's that big red S. Yeah, it says slaughters. The it's like and then and then the first thing what does what does he, the Joker do? He pulls out like a like a mini gun of some sort, like a like a, a super automatic pistol and shoots the edge of the the, the vehicle, like the, the armored car. It does nothing. Then he pulls out a shotgun. It does nothing. And the guy in the car inside the 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 armored car with um, oh, Harvey is like good, not good. Yeah, but he, but the guy inside <laughs> with with uh, Harvey Dent's like oh he needs something much bigger to hit yeah. this. And the next thing you see pulling out a rocket launcher and it's like that's all it's funny because it's escalation and you know the joker knows that he can't he's just basically being like okay let's see what happens next and it's funny yeah it it is really funny like so there there are two other things that i want to talk about um in regards to the film itself and actually probably the entire series i want to a just point out that like uh of the live action series uh, of films it finally gives us a competent Jim Gordon yeah. and one that's wonderfully played. Like when I heard that it was Gary Oldman playing, ba- uh, playing um, Jim Gordon, playing Batman. Yes. <laughs> but no, when I heard it was Jim Gordon, I was how like, does he had the mustache under the cowl. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was literally like, Oh my God, we're actually going to get J- Jim Gordon as a character. Cause if you're somebody who reads Batman, like, I shouldn't say that, but like he's also one of my favorite characters. I love his relationship with Batman. I love him as a character by himself in like the Gotham Central stories, um, which is ironic since I don't watch the Gotham TV show. It's not um, ironic. No one watches the <laughs> TV show. But um, I, I want to just say that like a thank you to Christopher Nolan for making uh, Gordon as important to the story as he should be. Um, and B, you know, while I make fun of the Batman voice that Christian Bale does, it it's easily the most, again, I guess, realistic version of that character that we've seen. Um, Michael Keaton's probably still always going to be my Batman because I can't separate that from who I am and when I discovered Batman, but at least the live-action version of it. But when it comes to like his performance outside of this voice... Um, <laughs> It's still the most Batman Batman that I've gotten is, I guess, the best way to put it. And I actually liked Bad Affleck. Um, he's not the problem with those movies. It's not like I was able to be like I was able to. And I, I, that's unfair. I've only seen Justice League and not seen <laughs> Batman v Superman. But it's funny you've not seen like you know the other one. That yeah. Was. <laughs> um, but I don't. I don't hold that against him. I thought he was actually as good as Batman. But Christian Bale, for all intents and purposes, as been the one who's been able the most successful to play that character and I, i'll say that you know with the exception of the third one where i think they falter with his character 
he does a really good job with portraying a Batman that's true to the one that I have read and loved. Yeah. So, so um, just because we talked about it, the place, time and place, just to mention, uh, 2008, this is when the film came out. Number one film of the year. Uh, 533 million uh, gross at the time. Uh, number two that year was Iron Man, which was the first Marvel released movie under the MCU mm-hmm. uh, with 318 million. Um, Hancock, which I've never seen, but that's also a superhero film. Heard it was okay. Uh, was number four. And then we go into what else do we have come out that year that was comic book related? Incredible Hulk at 17. How people show that movie. I don't understand. I thought the Incredible Hulk was quite fun. I actually really like that yeah. movie. Uh, and then we had Wanted, which is a comic book adaptation at 18 for the year. Uh, and then what else we got here? There was uh, oh so, Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, High School Musical three senior <laughs> year. Um, uh, let's see, Hellboy, Hell, two, Hellboy two, the Golden Army. Uh, that's a really good movie. That that, but that opened up the week before Batman. So that's problem why that never got like the, that's it's due. Um, let's see here, but it, yeah, so there. There was a the dividing line where DC, I should say, Warner Brothers was there. They were as much as as much as Batman and Robin was bad. Batman Forever made its money, you know. Like as much as Batman Forever's goofy, I still kind of like it, you know. Um, I just I like Jim Carrey and I like uh, Tommy Lee Jones. They, they are the extension of like the Batman '66 mm-hmm. like goofiness, and I kind of like it. Um, so. It's it's interesting because that like you know and you had the X Men movies and, and Spider Man like you're talking about previously, but there wasn't there wasn't the groundwork for the the good superhero movie. People would hold up Superman before this, and then maybe uh, X Men two and the first Spider Man were like the like the big like benchmarks. And I think it's it's hard to look back now ten years and to see how much amazingly good stuff we've gotten since the Dark Knight and since the first Iron Man movie. Uh, and but so the question though is. Clearly, we talked about the Joker. You mentioned Christian Bale <laughs> for a second. I think he's fine. It's just that I feel like the Dark Knight wouldn't be the movie it was without without Heath Ledger. I, I don't know who would have taken the part at that time and, and done what he did what he did with it. I also here's the question I was going to ask you: Do you think that movie? Do you think there would be the same reverence around the film had Heath Ledger not died? Ooh. I I don't think so. Uh, only because I I've grown up watching comic books get shit on for 30 years and then like in the last 10 they've become acceptable. Um <laughs> I, I hate to put it that way, yeah. but like um you know it was nominated for Academy Award. He won posthumously his, the award for best actor. Yeah, best supporting actor. I'm sorry, yeah, best yeah. supporting actor. Like I hate to say it, but I don't think he would have gotten nominated simply because he was not because of his performance, because I think he deserves to win. I think it's a fantastic performance, but I don't think, unfortunately, it gets the notice had he still been around. Well, the argument is, is that The Dark Knight and um, Wally, I think it was the other one, that at the time the Academy was only nominating five pictures for Best Picture. And both of those got snubbed. Yeah. And so the 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 talk is is that the next year they announced that best picture would then be moved to ten or potentially ten. Um, and and people feel that the Dark Knight was the one that kind of that's the movie that kind of changed things in that mm-hmm. sense. And then also having uh, you know actor performances be nominated for Oscars because of that film and not just special effects. Like it makes me really wonder what's going to happen this next round of Oscars with like Black Panther and Infinity War and things. It makes me wonder. But 
Um, I feel like it opened the floodgates a little bit in the sense that if you move the best picture nominations to 10, then you're going to get some dark horse weirdo movies in there. Like the shape of water, like, you know, like get out. Yeah. Um, like, and I like, now I'm not saying that Which those were movies, the two best movies I saw last year. <laughs> they were, <laughs> like, I, but you don't, but if it's a field of five, you don't know if that's getting in there, yeah. you know? And, um, and, and also I feel like because the Batman trilogy, I should say Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy did so well that I feel like in a way DC was like, nah, dark and serious is the way we need to go with this. And I think they took the wrong lessons from these films. Yeah. I mean, if you look at where Marvel started, um, they were trying to approach it in a very similar capacity to uh, at least Nolan's approach in the sense of like, let's make everything as real as we possibly can. Like grounded. Can. Ground, yes, grounded yeah. and real. Um, to the point where, like, in Thor, I believe they even allude to the fact that, like, well, magic's really just science you don't understand. <laughs> it's like, it's what you call, it's what you call science. It's like, I don't know, Thor, I don't know about that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they're now at the point where they're like, we got you, and we, 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 now we've got talking trees and raccoons, and... They're like, by the way, magic's magic. And magic's <laughs> magic. Like, they're not, they're not so worried about that anymore, but, like, you know, the, the first Iron Man is, like the most realistic of those films I would say I like the idea that the Iron Man armor is like basically like a Faberge egg that could fall apart at a moment's notice yeah and now you're in Infinity War it's like nanotechnology nothing to stop me now like, right it's like, <laughs> but the first one's like oh we went too high the oxygen's cut off it's like now I've been to space and back like, and like yeah. I understand that Scott Snyder has like a huge heart on for like the Dark Knight Returns and you know, they made Man of Steel and they tried to press on with the whole, like, what if Superman was realistic? And I'm like, you're missing the point of what makes Superman great. You get to have fun with Superman. You get to have this outworldish character who yeah. can do these amazing things. Like, you can certainly put realistic situations in there, but you, you, you kind of take away a lot of the fun by it being so damn realistic all the time. Who would you have put um, in that position at that point to direct a Superman film, though? I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I think Joss yeah. Whedon was already working on. Yeah, he'd been okay. I, he's, he was already working on Wonder Woman. I think at that point, I would even argue like Abrams would have had fun with it. I think he would have been reverent, you know, reverential to the source material, but yeah. had fun and actually had that kind of sense of wonder and awe because Abrams chases Spielberg's like wonderment, you know. And I'm, for for good, I'm not yeah. saying that's a negative. It just makes me wonder who else you could have done with it. I that. actually would have actually really liked to have seen a sequel to um, Brian Singer's Superman Returns. I'm one of the few people who actually likes that movie. Um, no, I, it was okay. I just feel like it didn't go far enough. That's yeah, really... That's and really I good. think that there were really crazy interesting things that they could have done with that. Um, and I would have liked to have seen him do something. But once you get to... Man of Steel and and I mean that's the weird thing that's how far they went away from like well we can't have it be too fantastical we're not even going to call it Superman we're just going to call it Man of Steel because well, because they brought Nolan in to be like the overall like yeah. guy watching all of this right and and even though they didn't say at the time uh, Man of Steel was supposedly the start of this new like you know DC whatever they they didn't want to call it that the worlds of DCU but having Nolan oversee it. You got the idea that Man of Steel was going to kind of be in that same vein as the his his Batman films, right? Yeah. And and until until they decided a different direction, it was almost kind of like I don't know. I feel like Nolan Nolan is he's he's really smart in his storytelling and in the way he sets up things. I love Inception. Like that movie 
it, there's there's problems with it too if you start thinking too much about it. But the whole thing's dream logic, so you kind of hand wave a lot of it away. Like Inception's amazing, and Inception wouldn't exist because the Dark Knight wasn't wasn't successful. If it wasn't successful, he wouldn't have got to made that movie. Um, he's constantly thinking about like you know how can I do this? How can I show this? And and and. I, <laughs> I still don't know if he was the right person to oversee the direction of DC in terms of their, their cinematic output. I feel like, like you can have a gritty down to earth Batman still exist side by side with a wondrous Superman or a fun green lantern or a fun wonder woman, you know, like, and I feel like tonally they just saw what made them a lot of money. And then they saw Marvel was going to actually kind of put their tongue on their cheek till it pokes out. They're like, we got to stay grim. And as much as it worked for the Dark Knight, I feel like it set themselves up for failure for a while until someone was like, hey, until Patty Jenkins came along and was like, you know, people can laugh too, right? Like, I feel like, and it's unfortunate because the Dark Knight has jokes in it. Yeah. I, I don't, it just feels like they just took all things wrong from it. Well, you know, I think the other thing too is, is that like, I'm, I can't keep, I, so when it comes to Batman, there's this version, and I think this is probably what happens with a lot of people who read comics or love certain characters. You have sort of this vision of who the character is in your head. So you do get that sort of um, feeling of like, well, I liked this, I didn't like that, or that's not what I would have done. You know, I mean, the, how many damn conversations have we had simply that come out of, well, I would have liked to have seen this, or I would have liked yeah. to have seen that. But for me, I think the smart move would have been, and I, I still can't believe nobody's done this yet, is I, I would fully embrace everything that was like great about Batman that came from the animated series. And I, I, like, why haven't we seen like a Batcave that's full of, you know, all the like trophies from his previous cases? Like, why haven't we seen the giant dinosaur and the giant penny where you go, <laughs> oh, that's kind of ridiculous, but like, you don't have to explain why it's there. It's just there. Yeah. You could, you know, do this version of the character who um, is that animated version where he's sullen and grim, but he's also able to like, function as a human being without constantly being sad all the time or you know uh <laughs> a raging alcoholic that Affleck, like yeah. Affleck's character is like i drink a lot that's fine yeah so i mean for me like that's that's the version i would try and throw up on the screen it would be a homogenization of like those big ideas that came from the comics and then the version that we saw in the batman animated series it would be like those two things kind of melded together instead he, you know, Snyder was like, well, I'm going to go Dark Knight Returns where he's pissed off angry Batman and wants to kill Batman. And like, why Why do we, that's the thing, like, that was the thing actually I really loved about the Nolan movies is that like, he makes a choice to not kill people. Like, uh, Batman Begins, I love the moment where he's like, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you either. And he just leaves it at that as yeah. opposed to, you know, well, even the bit with Eric Roberts of the dark Knight, wherever he's like holding up Falcon, uh, yeah. Falcone, whatever his name is, Eric Roberts, you know, brother of Julia Roberts. He's like, you know, if you're going to scare somebody, you need to go a little higher than this. Cause this isn't going to kill me. He's like, I'm counting on it. He <laughs> drops him. He breaks his shins right there. And it's like, that is messed up. Like, yeah. but, but that's Batman's kind of brutal justice. And I'm okay with that. Like I, I just, I wish that, I wish they could understand. I wish I would love to see a smaller Batman series done like Daredevil, like with the yeah. Netflix stuff, where it's like you don't have to have him saving the world, but you could have him out in the street beating up 
everybody and going after like you know mafia and drug dealers like that would be brutal and amazing and but, i mean yeah the other part that they're leaving off of the dark knight is that he's called the dark knight detective i want a batman I movie where he's actually that, a detective but he shot bullets into bricks and looked at them that's what happened in the dark knight and that's he, as close as he gets to being a detective i admit yeah and that's that's unfortunate so um do you so do you think overall, like I like I, as much as I know you like the Batman Begins, and we both agree that Dark Knight Rises has some issues. Um, I feel like the Dark Knight, even though when I say problems, I think the biggest problem with that movie is at the end is that too many people know that Batman didn't do the things that he's claiming he did to accept the responsibility of Harvey's actions. Mm-hmm. There's too many people alive that saw half burn guy walk around with a gun. Like there's the one the one female cop that. Uh, he ends up flipping the coin on. He's like, it's your lucky day, Ramirez, or whatever, and just like yeah. punches her. It's like, even though she's a crooked cop, she's still pretty sure she saw Aaron Eckhart with half a face, you know, like, and also Jim Gordon's family and also all this other stuff. Not that there, there's too many, there's too many holes to patch up to sell the idea that Harvey was a good guy at the end. Right. I feel like, right. I, I think that's the biggest thing. And then also the bat sonar thing at the end is weird too, but whatever. It's like, I feel like, uh, Nolan kept the tech relatively realistic until the very end of that movie. Then it got crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you feel about the the tech escalation of those films. I, I don't really have a problem with it. It's I, fine. It's very much in line with Batman, but it doesn't feel necessarily in line with Nolan. Like, right. You know. I, I I'm okay with it. I I feel like you could actually probably drop that out of that movie, and it wouldn't you wouldn't miss it. No. The things that I I really like about that movie, obviously the Joker. Obviously, I like. Aaron Eckhart as Two-Face, which we really haven't, and I feel like this happens a lot of times, I don't think people really give credence to his performance either, because I think he's really good in the movie as well. No, he's really good, yeah. Um, you actually like him, so yeah. you do not want to see what, what he happens. becomes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love the fact that the movie ends with him, Two-Face, Jim Gordon, and his family, unlike a doc. Like, it's... Instead of it being like Man of Steel, where it's a half hour of explosions, like <laughs> I love that it's it's a, I, it's unfair to say it's a smaller ending, but it brings the conflict back into a very small conflict. I guess is the best way of putting it. it brings the conflict. No, into no, no, you're right because at the but end, the like, climax. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, I again love the fact that like one of the central problems for Batman is is that you know his his willingness not to kill. I like the fact too that he's trying to figure out why the Joker would be the Joker, and there is that great story that Alfred tells about the guy stealing, you know, jewels for fun. Yeah, you know, because he could. <laughs> Some people just like the watch the world burn, which yeah. becomes a meme. I don't know if you've seen. Like, <laughs> there's that one person walking through the queue line of like a train station where they have like the roped off area, and they just walk straight through it, drag all the pylons with them. It's like you could have walked through it. You're just gonna walk straight through it. Some people just like to watch the world burn. And I, I'll say that like the stuff with Lau, I'll admit, slows the movie down. But I love the fact that because it's totally something Batman would do, where he says to him like, "What will we need to do to prosecute him?" And they're like, we just need to get him back here. And he's like, fine. Well, that's I was going to mention that, and not to get too much into that. That felt like after after you told me that Mission Impossible movies aren't really your thing, there's a complete Mission Impossible sequence <laughs> there in The Dark Knight. <laughs> and you switch out Batman for Ethan Hunt, and that's pretty much what he would yeah. do. You know? and, and that also makes me wonder what Nolan would have done with the Bond or a Mission Impossible film. like Because that, that Hong Kong sequence is awesome. Yeah. 
unrealistic as all get out. Like aside from the flying bat suit, but the whole like, how are you able to hit targets at such a distance with those little sticky bombs and time it down to the second? Whatever, it's cool. He's You're Batman. Batman. Yeah, like so. Although that skyhook thing is actually real. No, that I is real. That up. No, no, yeah. that is real. Yeah. So I like some of that stuff is great. So, but so do you think? Do you think DC? with Batman going forward, will ever be able to get out under the shadow of its greatest success in terms of, because it feels like that's all they keep reaching for because they know that movie made a ton of money and they wanted to set the blueprint going forward. And then they found out that maybe making sad movies the entire time isn't the way to bring the audience in. Well, I mean, for good or for bad, you know, they were, up until Batman Begins, DC films in general, they hadn't had a hit. I mean, they made... Uh, a steel movie that no one remembers starring Shaquille O'Neal. That needs to be rebooted. They made a also Tank a Girl, which technically isn't DC, it's Vertigo, but yeah. same thing. Um, like, there wasn't anything that they had done. Like, up until, you know, Batman Begins slash Dark Knight, you know, 89 Batman was still their biggest hit. And before that, it was 78 Superman. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's going to come a point where they're going to be able to break away from it. How soon they're going to be able to do that, I don't know. Um, because we're in an age now where there's a need for a franchise to be born every second, and I don't know how much they're going to let that character rest. You know, I would actually be okay if they were like, you know what, we're going to do a DCU where there's no Batman for ten years. You know, we're going to focus. The Arrowverse. I don't yeah. know if you're with it or not. <laughs> but no, if they're like, we're going to focus on, you know, we've got a hit with Wonder Woman. We're going to focus on that. We're going to um, retool Superman or make a sequel to Man of Steel with Henry Cavill because Cavill's not the problem with the, those movies. No, um, he's he's actually really good. It's just the movies aren't great. Um, we're going to relaunch Green Lantern or. I don't know. I don't know how you get around it in the sense that like they now are forced into making their world of DCs. And I don't understand the Joker's movie, like yeah. multiple Jokers. And they're definitely like Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Like they're going to beat that into the ground. Well, for... because she was a bright spot of Suicide Squad, which I know you haven't seen. Yeah. Uh, I feel, and, and as much as I, you know, I think Will Smith's Deadshot was actually really good too, and I feel like you know because for whatever reason he really he really committed to that. It was awesome, but at the same time they wrote it they wrote it as Will Smith's Deadshot, but that's yeah. okay because they wrote Jack Nicholson as the Joker. You know, like they they found a character, they found they found what their strengths are as an actor, and they wrote to that. You know, and and Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn as much as as much as the character of Harley Quinn is problematic in a lot of ways. She did a really good job with it. So, yeah. I, and maybe they abandon Batman in their current franchise and they go to Batman Beyond. Maybe. Like, I don't know. But you you haven't seen Suicide Squad. So there's a Batman encounter between her and him and whatever and blah. You know, so I The Dark Knight is a great movie. And, I'll, and so here, I, it's one of the handful of movies. That maybe I said this earlier in the show. Uh, and if I did, I, I'm sorry I'm repeating myself. It's only one of a few movies that the moment I was in the theater with the movie being done, I wanted to go back and buy a ticket immediately again. Mm-hmm. Like, and how many times can you say I want to go on that ride immediately right after it's over? Like, I don't have too many moments, you know. And that was one of them. Like, and and that's me being, and I, and I'm not saying I'm a D, like you know a DC hater. It's just that at that time it came out, and Iron Man was really good too. But it's like you, there was still you did not know what both both parties were going to do next. Right. And you thought that it was Marvel's Marvel was the one that had the challenge of the throne. You just, you really didn't know that 
DC was kind of done for a bit. <laughs> like, and I hate to say it, it just it was their high peak. Like yeah. they haven't hit that apex yet. Yeah. Um, and it's funny that you say that about Iron Man because I. I went to Iron Man just like hoping for it to be a decent movie and was blown away by it. Yeah. I went to uh, Incredible Hulk that same summer and being like, please be decent. And was, and again, I know there are people who don't like that movie. I really like The Incredible Hulk. I do too. Um, and maybe like we'll do that for a future episode at some point because yeah. I think it's a movie that doesn't get the credit that it's due. Um, but, I, you know, as far as where they go in the future with it, you know, maybe maybe there's somebody. Maybe this Matt Reeves. I say it like maybe this Matt Reeves kid. Um, he's gone places. You know, maybe he's got an idea for this Batman movie and whatever it's, they it's do with it. It's going to be Andy Serkis motion capturing Batman. <laughs> like he's not actually going to be. He's not actually going to be dressed as Batman. He's going to motion capture Batman. If they I, were like, hey, all we did was is we made a live action version of Mask of the Phantasm. I'd be like, great, sign me up. Yeah, like I would go to see that. So. Yeah, so I just you know what bring in Mark Hamill as the Joker now. I don't care. Like, just literally, you you pretty much you pretty much did it again with the Flash TV series. Having played the trickster again, yeah. let's just you know what I'm sure if you gave him enough money, he would consider it. Like, just do a do an older Batman Beyond. Like that would be. There was talk of that too. There was talk of uh, Stephen Amell's brother being uh, being in that, and then they just canceled it. Like you, you know. know. I don't want to get off topic. Yeah, we're, sorry. We're talking we're, about Batman. Yeah. No, I just it it popped in my head that uh, before James Gunn was unfortunately dismissed from Guardians of the Galaxy, like there was a whole thing between him and Mark Hamill where he was talking about putting him in Guardians Three. Yeah, I don't know if you saw all those tweets. Well, because they, 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 they were neighbors and they had and, like a barbecue. And all yeah, this stuff, and I'm like, yeah. I think about that now, and I'm like, oh, I would love to know what he was gonna do Space with him. No, I don't that'd be fine. No, he just shows up as a cloak that suddenly materializes into a man and be like, well, that was weird. <laughs> and it's like, and there's your connection. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I I would love to see them do something that knocks my socks off as opposed to me being cynical 40-year-old man going, not my Batman. Yeah. So, so. anyway, uh, I'm sure we did not do the talk of the Dark Knight Justice. However, it's a good movie. It holds up. Uh, it holds up really well. The soundtrack, and Hans Zimmer, amazing soundtrack. Uh, there are sequences in that that I still don't know how they did. Uh, the the truck flip, I know how they did it. It's still crazy. Like there, no one commits to the practical, and it really, really shows in the film. And Heath Ledger has amazing, amazing lines that steal the movie. Uh, the improv moment whenever Jim Gordon was being promoted to uh, commissioner, and then he starts clapping for him along with everybody else. Yeah. that was improv, but they kept it in. Like there is just amazing moments and then there's even that quiet moment where they're like the was it the one guy's pulling all the weapons out of the joker's like coat yeah and it's just knife and knife and knife and knife and knife and it's like <laughs> very size of knives like something about that still really is like what's this guy up to like and, and then the boot knife during the one fight that he has like he's all sharp edges and i, I think that was it's just it's a good movie. It's it's a really good movie. And I will say shout out to the series for being the first one to uh, have a Batman villain reappear in multiple movies uh, with uh, Scarecrow. Scarecrow. Yeah, I forgot to mention uh, uh, Cillian Murphy. Yeah. Like as much as I love it, whatever. Like he's basically like, uh oh, here he comes. And <laughs> him. He's talking about stuff. He's like, that's not my diagnosis. So that's all you hear from him from the movie. <laughs> it was a nice callback to the first one. Uh, you know, I'll say too that that is one of the things that I think the movie does really well is is that if you told me all the different ideas that were in 
The Dark Knight, I would have told you it wouldn't work as a movie, and I would have been completely wrong. Because you've got the Batman, uh, essentially like the the mob of people who are now trying to emulate Batman. You've got the Joker. You've got Two Face. You've got a bit with the Scarecrow. You've got him going to um, Japan or Hong Kong. Yeah, Hong you have him. Like, there's all this stuff going on in the movie where you're like, wow, it's anybody too else, big. Anybody else would, it would have been a hot mess. Yeah. yeah. So, I it mean. Spider-Man 3. <laughs> Which is unfortunate because we all love Sam Raimi. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, that, I think it's going to do it for the Dark Knight talk. We can still talk for the two hours about the Dark Knight, but got to end it sometime. I could talk about Batman forever. <laughs> you, Not Batman forever, forever, <laughs> but I could talk about Batman e- forever. Enigma. E- <laughs> Nick, what? Yeah, anyway. Um, I liked it whenever uh, whenever Jimmy Fox played uh, the Riddler in uh, the Amazing Spider-Man Two. Like pretty much, that was his character. I didn't see it. You didn't see it. No. He basically, you know how like the beginning, like uh, Edward Nigma was like this, like you know, fanboy of Batman and kind of smart. That's basically what happened in the Amazing Spider-Man Two. It's so unfortunate. It's like <laughs> Jimmy Fox, like you could have, they could have given him something different. But it's like, nope, he's basically Jim Carrey from Batman Forever. That's unfortunate. It's, it's pretty unfortunate. So yeah, um, before we get to the game, uh, we might as well do some house cleaning here. House cleaning, housekeeping. Cleaning, we're just done. Uh, uh, yeah, if you guys have any thoughts or feelings about the Dark Knight, um, if you've not seen the movie, I'm sorry we kind of spoiled parts of it for you. Yeah, However, we didn't do it justice. So, yeah, we like, did not please bring it, up no. anything that you want to talk about because it's, it's a big conversation. Yeah. Uh, so, you can find us on Facebook or Invasion of the Podcast. We're on invasionthepodcast.com where it links to the blog where I've been uh, uh, tirelessly writing about Year of the Knockoff films. Uh, we just watched Orca last week. Uh, in Jaws, and I watched one more other When Animals Attack film called Grizzly from uh, 77 or so that I had a really good time watching that movie, and I hope I hope what I wrote did a little bit of justice to the film. It's a fun read, and the gifts alone are worth it. Yeah, my, like my gift game is strong. My writing game is not strong. No. But, uh, <laughs> my, I feel I realize that my writing is all three-fourths describing the film in terms of the plot, and then the very end being like, I liked it. That's all I write about, <laughs> about things. But check out the blog if you guys and then if you've not seen grizzly check it out it's, it's a fun film uh that bear liked marshmallows that's what i'll say about that so uh you can find us on itunes stitcher google play uh podbean wherever you get your podcast find us please rate and review us that would be greatly helpful and steve how can people find you head to the saturday night slasher.com read the comic also go to uh uh, find us on Instagram under the Saturday Night Slasher, Twitter, the Saturday Slasher, and we've got a Facebook page as well. Find us, just search for the Saturday Night Slasher. I'm sure that all those many things will come up. Uh, and then going into September, we're going to be at the Scarefrest uh, in Lexington, Kentucky, on September 14th through the 16th. And uh, as we get closer to the show, I'll talk more about that. Nice. Just want to remind you, everybody, that from 2008, that Marley and Me uh, was the 14th highest grossing film. And that involves a gold retriever that dies. Yeah, so, I um, haven't seen it. You know why? Because <laughs> a gold retriever dies in it. Exactly. I just just old Wilson just being exasperated by a gold retriever is not my idea of a movie that I want to see. <laughs> but we, when I was working at Blockbuster, used to be on all the time. We put it on, and then there was some bit where they took the dog to a dog like dog beach. And it was like the one thing is the dog couldn't go. Dog cannot use the restroom in the beach or the or the water. And then the moment that Marley go, he just goes and takes a shit. They're like Marley, like you know. I'm sorry. Anytime you take a dog to an open environment, they're going to be like, "Can I pee or poop here?" And like you, you cannot be upset about the dog because it's going to happen. To be fair, that's the same thing I think whenever I go somewhere. Is like, is there a bathroom somewhere? (laughs) Is there not? Can I make it? All right. So all right. Enough talk about Batman. I guess we're going to have some more talk about Batman. Time to play the game.
So the game we're playing tonight is uh, called What Would Batman Do? One of the things that I often find myself thinking to myself in any situation is, what would Batman do? So I've got uh, seven scenarios here that uh, I'm asking Paul if he could clarify for me. What would Batman do? Okay. All right. So the first one here is, uh, since he's a billionaire, would Batman always pick up the check? Are there times where he would go Dutch? Like, he had a small salad in the water. But by all means, he'll pay for the filet mignon in the 80-year-old scotch that the Flash ordered. Like, it seems a little unfair. What would Batman do? I feel yeah. like I, I feel like it depends upon his company he keeps, right? If it's like if it's someone like the Flash that we know is just a simple crime scene investigator that may not get the most money, you know, working at the, you know, whatever, Central City PD, he might order a lot hoping that Batman picks up the tab. But then Batman, knowing that the Flash is going to order a lot, was like, "Nah, we could split this." I could. I feel like he would read the person, and if they if they weren't purposefully taking advantage of his wealth, he'd probably pick up the check. But if someone's trying to take him on his dime, he's going to just prove him, prove him wrong. All right, that's fair. Because yeah. I do feel like if I was going to somewhere to eat with Batman, and I'm aware of the fact that you know he has a lot of money, you know, I'm I'm going to be expecting him to like. You know, make at least a gesture of like, no, no, I got the check. Yeah, Believe I own me, the restaurant. It's fine. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I, I would be ordering the same uh, as the Flash. I just, I feel like he, he could be a dick with the checkbook if he wanted to be. Yeah. That could be uh, a Dick Grayson. Dick um, Grayson. <laughs> <laughs> so after meeting someone several times and not remembering their names, would Batman finally admit he can't remember their names, or would he call them names like Chief or Hey you? I like, think I think being just the, world, to get by? the world's greatest detective, I think he would not let anybody know that he didn't know someone's name. So he would find ways to distract people and then disappear. All right. And then eventually figure them out and then just show up and scare the shit out of them in an alleyway and be like, Hello, Tim. Like, ah like you know <laughs> like, I know I know you like roast beef sandwiches. Like, why did you do this? You know, like That's a very good thought out question or yeah, answer because yeah. uh I was I was coming up with these questions and I'm like uh, there's got to be a point where he doesn't remember something. Like I agree with he's that. He's only but human. It, it's Buzz Batman. He's never going to let somebody know he's wrong. That's true. That's a good point. All right. So this next one here is a is a, a personal, uh, a very like uh, personal issue for a lot of people. It's it's actually something that happens very early in relationships. But this since it's Batman, it has to be specific only to him being in the Batcave and around Alfred. But would would Batman fart in the Batcave, or you know, would he hold it in even around Alfred? I think I think uh, he would fart in the bat cave and then blame the bats and be like, oh, <laughs> some of those some of those uh, Bulgarian jumping bats or something. He would say that, you know, or he'd be like, oh, it's the cave settling. It's it's the cave is settling, you know. Or he would have a bat whoopee cushion nearby and be like, oh, that's what it was. So I like that answer a lot. <laughs> Um, <laughs> or he's just like, I'm sorry, I'm just doing, I'm doing some sin analysis right now. I just, I, I like the idea of him blaming it on the on the bats because that's what everyone does when they have an animal. It's like, ah, oh, it must have been the dog. Like you know, they release guano, right? Like, you know. Or suddenly he turns into um, Rodney Dangerfield in uh, in uh, Caddyshack. <laughs> Grabbed his collar, just like you know, yeah. Alrighty, so uh, let's say there's a rib cook-off at the uh, JLA 
headquarters. And, in Cincinnati, yes. yes. <laughs> and uh, Superman ends up with barbecue sauce all over his face. And he, he just doesn't know that it's there. Would Batman let Superman walk around with food on his face? Or would he tell him? No, he would not tell him. <laughs> in fact, he would he would probably go to other people and be like, look at that asshole. <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, like, I know he's an alien, but it looks a lot like this. He's like the perfect specimen. Dude can't even use a wet nap. Like, clearly one of his, one of his powers is not self-awareness. Like, he would... He would throw as much shade on Superman just to knock him down a peg. That's you yeah. Know. I, I feel like there would be photos. I, I feel like everybody getting tweeter or tweeters getting tweets from Batman that are in personal like, messages. We, we know Superman's two weaknesses: kryptonite and wet naps. <laughs> I agree. Uh, the, the next one here again. This is uh, sort of a, a personal situation that I think we've all been in, but. Would Batman ever use the bat signal to get out of a boring conversation? It's like no doubt. Like, sorry, Green Lantern. I would love to hear how you made a giant green ho- catcher's mitt, but Gotham's in trouble. I gotta you know, go. You know, he would just put his his finger up to the side of his cowl and be like, "I'm sorry, the city needs me." Or he would pull a batarang out and be like, "What's that, Alfred? You know, I have to go. All oh, the bats are farting again. I have to go take care of this." And he was to leave. Like, that would be great if like he left a conversation about. Yeah, like I'm uh, so sorry. The bat cave. It's just you know we don't air that shit out bats. for a while. Yeah, <laughs> got to take care of that. <laughs> All right, so we're learning a lot about things that Batman would do today. Um, the next one here is is uh, if he thought it would help him stop a crime, would Batman shove an ice cream cone into an Amish person's face? <laughs> That's that's kind of some levels there, I guess, because I mean, like he's not doing it just normally to be a dick. Are Amish upset about ice cream? I don't understand. <laughs> Have you never seen the movie Witness? It's been forever. Okay, I don't know. It's like, there's a very famous scene in the movie Witness. I'll take you folks back to 1985, I believe, when it came out. <laughs> back to the magical year where uh, Harrison maybe it was Ford 84. was protecting Amish people in yes. silos. So there's a very famous scene where like he goes into town with the Amish people, and there are these. Uh, like people that are harassing the Amish, and one of them's got an ice cream cone and shoves it in the Amish people's face, and they just stand there and take it well, until Harrison Ford gets pissed and beats their ass. I just because like ice cream, you can make ice cream without electricity, so you could actually just make it. So I don't know why they'd be upset about it. Well, they're but, not upset about the ice cream. But I'm just saying, like, but you said Amish would be upset. Like, like if it was to stop oh. a crime, I don't like like I mean if if all if the if the biggest casualty of him stopping a crime is that someone who's wearing black unseasonably that has facial hair that is afraid of cameras taking their soul is that you shove a dairy product in their face, I think Batman would do the math and be okay with it. All right. Well, I'd like to point out you also just described a goth person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Like, like I, there's the whole joke of like you know uh, Amish Monthly. What's the what's the what's the new summer color? Black. You know. Like, what's the new fall color? Black. I just like the idea of Batman shoving an ice cream cone in, a, in the face of. An but you know, person. he would turn around and like after that happened, he'd end up like paying some money to like you know that community so they can get a new barn or something, you know, like whatever. But he wouldn't use technology to do it. Like, like it would be something, you know. He'd be respectful. I feel like. All right, that's fair. Um, this last one here is uh, uh, a very good question, and uh, I'll make a personal omission once you answer the question, but. Uh, uh, some consider this action to be a crime, but would Batman put ketchup on his steak? Um, I don't think he would because he was raised as a rich kid. Well, that does, that defeats it, doesn't it? Because we have somebody who's in power right now. That's all he does. I think Batman would have been 
Well, you know, did he learn from his parents? Because he didn't. You know, I don't think because maybe his dad liked ketchup boy steak, but they never got to that talk. You know, <laughs> I feel I feel like as much as as much as Batman's Batman and Batman's putting on the guise of Bruce Wayne, I think Bruce Wayne would not do something as garish to call attention to himself. I think it would be, almost be like I'm trying to think what he would do. Like I'm sure he'd eat steak the right way. Also, probably from a health decision, he's like, why would you put ketchup on stuff? That's a sugar. Like, why would you do that? I mean, I think he would have a nice, you know, medium rare steak done the right way, probably fly the chef in from wherever just to impress some lady that he could have a one night stand with and be like, I'm sorry, my life's complicated. I can't talk about this right now. Dr. Chase Meridian, you know, like, uh, um, I like how that's the person. I don't know why Nicole Kidman's the one that's always getting complicated (laughs) with things, but I don't think he, I think, I don't think he would do it. Um, I think he would find it like socially offensive if somebody else did it. I don't think he would consider it a crime because there's much bigger crime to deal with than someone putting a condiment on a steak. <laughs> so uh, the uh, here's the what's the admission? Yeah, the current president, uh, notwithstanding, uh, I am one of those people who will put ketchup on steak, and my wife, who is a vegetarian, mind you, loses her damn mind every time I do it. Is like, she like, that's a good waste of ketchup? Is yeah, that- <laughs> basically. She's like, why? Why are you doing that? Like, wh- what is wrong with you? And I'm like. You know, I'm like, I don't know. That's just how I ate it. Like, I, I don't think it's any worse than putting A1 or a steak sauce on it. Like, well, but no, no, A1, A1 is specifically, that's how steak is done. That's their tagline. <laughs> Ketchup isn't like, if you have steak around, it's more like, this is good enough for meat tubes that go in buns. You know, like. You I, can have it on hot dogs. You can have it on ham- hamburgers. <laughs> why not steak? Um, what is, what's the sauce? Uh, you ever do the, the Heinz 57 sauce on steak? Like, uh, as yeah, opposed to, I don't not, think I've bought it in like years, though. Actually, I don't think I've ever actually bought it. See, I, feel like- I like the 57 sauce, but that's probably that's probably the step between steak sauce, like A1 sauce, and ketchup. Okay, like I, I could do that, but I think ketchup, like, as much as as much, uh, here's the confession for me I don't like um, I don't like rare steaks, I like them kind of well done because I'm not a big pink in the middle type of guy. And I know people are like, that's not how you eat steak. I'm like, I don't really need to be poisoned. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of I don't need trichinosis or salmonella. I'm good, you know. I fall somewhere between medium and medium well. So. Yeah, so I need it to be like like my wife loves like if the steak if the, if if she can go cut it off the cow and eat it that way, she'd probably be happy with it. And then put ketchup on it. No, not really. Um, I feel like ketchup is the easy go to to put on everything though. I don't know if you just like if that, is that your go to condiment for everything. I don't know. I mean, I don't feel like I put it on that much, but I mean, like, just unfortunately. Steak. Just Kobe steak. <laughs> just the finest cuts of steak. I mean, what else do you put on burgers and hot dogs? Although I have offended people by putting it on hot dogs as well. Ketchup on a hot dog? Why is yeah. that offensive? The, the, you know, the, 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 the most pervasive thought a lot of times is is that you know mustard is really the thing that's reserved well, for a hot but dog. You could put both on a hot dog. I yeah, I, I do put both on a hot dog. Like, so for your mustard choice, do you just do like the yellow or the French's or the stadium mustard? Like I will your... do all. Th- well, I shouldn't say all three. I will do <laughs> any of them. I'll do whatever we have. Like we have stadium mustard. Um, I'll use that a lot of the time. Um, but if for whatever reason I reach in and like grab yellow mustard, not thinking about it, I'll I'll eat that as See, well. I never had I never had stadium mustard until I moved to Cleveland. Like that okay. was something we didn't have that type of brown mustard at home where I grew up in West Virginia. So that was a revelation for me. I, I like I like stadium mustard. But anyway, I don't put it on a steak. But I feel like ketchup is like that easy go to to pull out everything and be like, uh, is this is this somewhat edible? Ketchup, and that's it. You I know? will say that like uh, when it comes to hot dogs as well. 
Um, I don't know why I didn't do this forever, but like, uh, I don't know, it was probably, it was before I got married, so almost five years ago. Um, my wife's friend, Jason, we were at their place and he, uh, made hot dogs and he was like, oh, you're going to get a Chicago style. And he put like a full dill spear, like a pickle. Oh, that's weird. But it's so good. See, I'm not a pickle guy. Like, really? I, yeah, I could do relish, which is pretty much just diced it's pickles. It's just diced pickles. <laughs> I could deal with relish. I just can't deal with the straight. I think it's maybe the texture of like biting into a pickle, like the straight up crunchiness of a pickle. Okay. Well, the soggy crunchiness of a pickle. I don't know, but well, that's I'm, that's what I like. I like yeah. ketchup, mustard, onion, and a full sized pickle on yeah, it. Yeah, and and uh, and chili. You gotta put chili. Anyway, so that's <laughs> that's enough. That's enough condiment talk here on the show. That but, ends uh, this week's episode yeah. of the Condiment Corner. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, that's going to do it for us this week. Next week, we went from the Dark Knight, and this is something we talked about previously, and now we're going to slot it in now. Unless uh, we come up with something Something else. (laughs) (laughs) Unless we watch Glow Season 3 in the meantime. Uh, We're going to watch The Dark Tower. I talked about it a couple weeks ago, uh, but then Glow showed up, and then Glow, we really want to talk about Glow. I bought The Dark Tower. I have not watched it yet. It came out this time last year. I'm a big fan of the book series. It's one of my favorite, like, fantasy series. It's, you know, from Stephen King. Uh, Steve King has not seen, he's not read any of the Dark Tower. Like, I've read some of the comics, I've read all the books. No, I I've, I think I've mentioned before, I have some of the comics I bought. Uh, There's like a compendium like Peter David wrote, which, yeah, good stuff. That I've got sitting there that I haven't yeah. jumped into yet. So we're going to get into the world of the gunslinger, um, and the, the biggest thing about this conversation is going to be, how, how do we approach something that Steve is, does not know anything about? We'll watch the movie, tell me how he feels about it. Versus someone who loves the actual franchise, not franchise, uh, property. See if we have the similar problems or dislikes or if we Because we if you don't bring baggage into yeah. it, how are you going to feel about the film? So, yeah. interesting thought. So, that's our that's our math our math problem next week. We'll see. How, <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's going to be what we're going to do. So, until until next week, have a safe week. Um, if you've not watched Dark Knight recently, watch it, watch it again. It's a, good mo- it's a good movie. Yeah, and the only other thing I'll say on the Stephen King tip, and maybe I can talk a little bit about this uh, on the next episode, uh, if you have Hulu and you like Stephen King, uh, I've already burned through the first three episodes of Castle Rock. They released the first three at once, and then the rest are going to be weekly. Um, it's a slow burn, but it's a really good show, so I would highly recommend uh, digging into uh, Castle Rock. Nice. All right, so, yeah. Uh, anyway, that's, that's going to do it for us this week. Next week, uh, Dark Tower, and until then... Um, don't put ketchup on everything, you savages. <laughs>